Welcome. You weren't ready. To episode there's, there's a clear one second long pause there. 65, 64, 63. 63. 63 of Apocalypse, mm-hmm. our bi-weekly podcast in which we talk about stuff that we've done or seen over the last two so weeks. You buy a lot of things. Ah! Depends on how many beers I get through during the podcast. Alright. I've got another one here, and I've got a full one right there. Nice. So, haven't eaten enough today, so. Well done. That's good. Good. I know. I'm glad you're a mess. I'm so, not a mess. I'm not bottoming out again. This oh. is non-bottoming out, Matt. Yeah, you had your haircut. I'm in a pretty good place. Yeah. Except yeah. for, you know, well. Get a job. I'm trying. The people won't fucking... Pay me. <laughs> I'm going to fucking... I'm going to walk into it. I'm going to just walk into one of these job places and just be like, well, I came from... I'm telling you, man. Just walk into McDonald's, tell them you've got a job. Oh. Tell them, yeah, I'm the new guy. I'm the manager. I'm the new manager you guys wanted. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I don't really see myself working at McDonald's, if I'm completely honest, because they sell pigs and cows and stuff. And I don't think you can barely call it meat. Well, it's still... I saw a video the other day, um, and it made me really sad. It was just a pig. Um, it had little piglings. Piglets, as they're called. Tasty. And the guy was picking them up. bacon. He was picking them up to put yeah. them in the pen so that he could obviously feed them up and make them into, like, sellable stock or meat. Yeah. Um, and they, instead of instead of anaesthetising the animals and then removing genitals and stuff, you know, so they don't breed in the pens as they want them to, mm-hmm. or as they don't want them to, sorry. The guy just picked up this piglet and grabbed the genitals and just twisted. Twisted until they just came off. Yeah. It's the most fucking grotesque thing I've ever seen. Yeah, they don't anaesthetise. That's what they do on all animals. No, no, they, they, <laughs> that's not what they do on all animals. <laughs> it was grotesque. Yeah. You don't Usually like, you just tie a string around it, they cut off the blood. Yeah, then it... that's, see, that's what I thought they did, but not anymore, because apparently that's too long. Because you know the flesh can become necrotic. Yeah. And if that happens, they chew it themselves, spread the rash, or oh, spread sexy. the infection, and it can spread to other pigs. So they don't do that anymore. Instead, they just twist and then schooled. That's okay. That's fucking awful. Anyway, sorry, so you, everybody knows I'm They're fucking, just walking burgers everybody anyway. Everybody knows <laughs> that I'm one of those hippies, and I don't think anyone should be eating all those shit. <laughs> Fucking love animals. I'd love to have a pet pig or a pet cow. I would, genuinely. You can't have one. I can't yet. Give it a week. Anyway, so this is a new segment I'm introducing. You should buy one of those podcast. bloody pygmy pigs and be like, I've got myself one of those miniature no, pigs they, and it turns out to no be a such, fucking there's, giant. There's no such thing as a pygmy pig. They just give them horrible shit to make them stay small so that yeah. when people buy them, they look tiny and then they get big. And you put them inside a small default. box and they come out square. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're going to introduce a new segment to the podcast. Are we? Yeah. Okay. I didn't consult you on this because you always say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no. It's a new segment um, in which... I'm going to play number (laughs) wang. That'd be awesome. No, instead, I'm going to give you a film that's coming up in the next few weeks that we're going to both see. Are we? Yeah. And we we are going to guess the plot to that film. I'm going to go see a film in the next few weeks. Well, this film you are going to go see. So I'm going to tell you the film and then you guess the plot. Okay. Just a couple of minutes guessing the plot. Is it the new Adam Sandler film? Alien Covenant. Yeah. Comes out May 11th. Okay, here's the plot. Okay, go. Some. I am listening. People go to a planet and find some aliens. Is there anything specifically interesting about these people? No. Okay. No. They're just people. Okay, cool. You got me You got me in fraud. I'm, I'm about to write you a check I mean, I'm basically... That's the plot of Alien. Okay. Every Alien film. But, well, you've got to take into hand, this is also a Prometheus Pre- oh, sequel. No, no, this is a Prometheus remake because Ridley Scott was like, I kind of fucked up last time. Nomi Rapace is Let's in this one. F- Nomi Rapeface is the proper pronunciation of Nomi her Swedish... Nomi Rapace. Rapeface. That's Rapeace? how you pronounce her Swedish name. Yeah. 
I've I've been to Sweden. I know all about Swedish people. Okay. Yeah. And so, it's they're, they're going to pay lip service to Prometheus Rapid because Chichi. they just need to be all like, okay, we messed up last time. Here's the real prequel. Okay. And what's he? What did he say? He wanted to make five fucking. He wanted to make five movies from from Prometheus. He wanted <sighs> to. He sake. wanted to do a new trilogy that led up to another new trilogy. I just want a director to go. I'm making this one film. Yeah. Done. What would you What would you rate Prometheus? Like a like if you had to give it a number, like if Interest, you had to say, interesting ideas and yeah. stuff. But I'd say it was more. It was more uh, very, very than it was a child. poorly written. Yeah, I agree with that. That's space weed. <laughs> oh, we're on a new planet. I'm just gonna fill my life preserving spacesuit with space weed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's Damien Lindoff right now. Do you have any predictions to the ending? Is there going to be a survivor? Is there going to be a lead on? Someone will be in a thing and they'll fly off into space. You reckon one survivor? Yeah, there's always one survivor. You're not going to be more survivors? No. James Franco's in it. He's pretty popular. He dies right at the start. You reckon? Yeah. Of what? Cholera. You reckon he dies of cholera? Because in the beginning he is complaining of illness. I can see that. So you think that space cholera gets it? Yeah, space cholera. What's the difference between space cholera and regular cholera? Um, Space cholera is uh, radioactive. Radioactive space cholera. Yeah. So he is almost. This is almost a Spider-Man of cholera's as a Spider-Man. Yeah. He gets all the powers that to... cholera has, <laughs> which are coughing. <laughs> so he has the ability to become a fine mist and transfer himself to another being. No, no, he just, just coughs. Just coughs a lot. Yeah. So he's almost. He's not like he's not like what I would call a, a spittle vampire. He is just. A very brittle coughing man. He's basically, it's, it's, you can't really tell the difference between him and someone who's got a cough. Oh. Yeah. He just coughs. So it's like stealth cholera. Yeah. Ah. It's hard to tell. Okay. All right. This is, this is, anyway, I'm going to quickly, oh. I'm going to quickly give my prediction for what. So the idea behind Alien Covenant is all the people that are going there are couples. They're yeah. going there on a mission to populate. Well, even Danny and, McBride. Yeah. Danny McBride's with his wife. They've all got wives or girlfriends and stuff. There's a gay nah, couple. You unbelievable. Know. Daniel Bryan's a pretty handsome guy. No. Right. Anyway, um, so all these people are going into space to go and colonise a new planet, which they've been... they followed a beacon, which I'm assuming is linked to Naomi Rapace, Rapace. Um Naomi Rapace, her David, has released a signal leading people there saying, you know, hospital, hospitable planet, CO2, all this other stuff, and they've used that information. They've gone, all right, well, we can colonise this. It sends the people off. They've arrived and they've found a mass genocide of all the engineers because it turns out it's their home planet, I reckon. Mm. I think that genocide has actually been caused by knowing her piece. What's happened is she's realised that the engineers tried to destroy Earth and they have more knowledge than she previously thought about Earth and the planets they've used the black goo on, which is obviously the evolutionary catalyst. So she has, in a moment of desperation and in an attempt to stop the spread of them, the engineers and stop them from destroying Earth has released her own supply of black goo because if you don't remember it's on the ship there was a contained area there were multiple ships all in there she took one of those ships which had the uh, accelerant in it and she has used that to destroy and decimate the entirety of the engineers planet killing everyone but also in the process creating neomorphs and xenomorphs now neomorphs are the initial engineer to monster hybrid you know like at the end of the last one I had the little mouth yeah. in the jaw and then a xenomorph is that neomorph being affected by the black goo. Because you remember, catalyst, evolutionary, I think that's produced the xenomorph. Or something um, akin to the xenomorph, as we know from the previous But films. in the canon of the alien world, the xenomorphs existed centuries and centuries ago. So. In Aliens vs. Predator. Do you think that they actually know any of this? Do you think they actually believe any of that? Are you no. saying Aliens vs. Predator shouldn't be counted as canon? 
In a in a planet in a star system, long time ago, aliens happened. <laughs> they put them in an Aztec temple, and Francis okay. fought them in an Aztec temple. Well, they might have had time travel. Why not? They might have had time travel, but I don't know if Aliens vs Predator is canon. I don't know if any of that's canon. It's probably going to be like a Disney. Aliens vs Predator is, and Aliens vs Predator Two is. Really? <laughs> sure, uh, why not? Yeah, who fucking cares? Um, but anyway, so I think that's what's so going to happen. I think there's actually going to be two survivors. There'll be two members of different couples. And I think that there's going to be... But earlier on in the film, they've swapped keys and it's okay for them. No, but I think earlier on in the film, the idea of the couples is going to backfire on the company, which is Wayland Yutani. I think that uh, that they believe that it would be easier to colonise if they're different couples, so they had those relationships already built and they could breed and they can go on to create these environments and world. Blah, 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 blah. But what I think happens is that there is something going on between different people and different couples. So I think that already they're broken, they're splintered. And once it finally does get to the point that aliens are infecting people, it creates a callous environment and people are less trusting. Instead of being what you'd think is two people going through a crisis together, it will now be the individual, which will create a, Ripley, 10 minutes of the podcast a Ripley-style situation. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. But I think that there's going to be two people left in the, from different couples. It could possibly be one of the members of the gay couple and then one of the other couple. I don't think... I think they're going to try and move away from the Ripley idea. I think that maybe it'll be a male and a male survivor because, obviously, it's... Although it's not cliched to have that in films normally, I think that it's been a cliche in the alien universe. You get that? I think it's just going to be about an alien killing people. It's not going to be an individual alien. I think it's going to be a bunch of them. Anyway, that's my that's my predictions for Alien Covenant. Obviously, we'll wait to see who... What do you think is going to defeat the aliens? What do you think their weapon is going to be against them? I don't know. They'll probably press a button and a thing will happen. I thought you were going to say Worcestershire sauce. Yeah, what's the source? Yeah. You think what's okay? I'm going to say flamethrowers. Flamethrowers, yeah. Or guns attached to a big button that they press for Worcestershire. They always press a button for Worcestershire sauce. Yes, Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> Release the sauce. Okay, so it's my review first this week. Yeah, sure. Okay, excellent. All right, so my first review this week is going to be. Uh, oh, you didn't know. You were before, right? Oh shit! Oh my god! Beauty and the Beast. Oh really? I was going to see Beauty and the Beast in the cinema. Oh dear. A tale as old as time. You know, uh, no one fights like us. You know that film? Yeah. Where a woman uh, develops feelings of bestiality towards a beast man and then is let down horribly in the climax and it turns out beast man is just a furry. Yeah. Yeah. That's the film I saw. Uh, what There are good and bad, good and bad things about this Disney film. Disney film. So, you know, it's great production. The sets look incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are good elements of it, but I feel like... Is the baker still selling his bread like always? Yes. Yes, he is. Um, one of the things Spatter. I will say is the music isn't as good as the animated film, sadly. But holy fuck, seeing a film that's got big old sets is pretty incredible. Ooh, nice. Not as much green screen as I was expecting there to be. Dan Stevens is in it. He's actually a pretty handsome beast. So I did joke during was the film. Is he beast in it? Yeah, he's the beast. I did, oh, joke, yeah, yeah. I did joke during the film about six or seven times. I was like, I wonder what his dick was like. It was like. Toby Kevill. Maybe he did the mocap. Maybe. That's what he does now. Isn't <laughs> yeah. it? But um, I did joke that depending on how his dick looks, I'd probably fuck the beast. If I was if I was Belle in that situation. They should have just given him a big old he's floppy. He's quite handsome. Yeah. He's still quite handsome. And he's obviously quite strong and quite sturdy. Is I mean, it as good as Beastly? It's it's better than Beastly. Is Beastly oh. was... <laughs> I was so excited for Beastly because I didn't know I didn't know what it was when I went into it. I did review it for the podcast, didn't I? I don't know. I can't remember. I, did, I think I live reviewed it, didn't I? Whilst I was watching it. 
but Beasley was a fucking atrocious because I saw Neil Patrick Harris and you had uh, you had Vanessa Hudgens 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 and you had uh, one of the Olsen twins and you know like fuck it Vanessa Hudgens she's incredibly attractive one of the Olsen twins they've got some acting chops I mean their sister's really good and uh, and you know Neil Patrick Harris who was the highlight of the movie I I don't know why Ugh, I'm not going to get into that because Beasley's a bad movie I'll do a commentary track one day about Beastly, and it'll just be me sighing for an hour and a half um, and explaining why black people are more than just a backstory you give them and just because you tell me to care about a person doesn't mean I haven't already cared about the person who invented a oh, backstory. Oh, the black person who's going like, what's oh, your big problem? Oh, they've got a black person who's pretty much a And slave. he's all like, you know, when you I grew up, like I found out I was black and no. now I'm like, not as it's good as... It's a Chappelle show. Oh. It's, it's no, but he treats her like shit the whole of the film. And then, like, she turns around and she goes... Dude in the frilly shirt, complete ball. Treats her like absolute shit. And then halfway through the film, he's like, he's like, hey, so do you have any kids? And she's like, yeah, I've got two kids. They're not here because I can't bring them over because I'm poor and I have to work for your dad. And he's like, oh, why didn't I know that about you? And she goes, because you're a cunt. <laughs> Doesn't actually say that. Paraphrasing. Anyway, so uh, back to Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Uh, yeah, the songs aren't as good, but holy shit, the set pieces and everything else are amazing. Dan Stevens is good. Emma Watson's a bit flat. Just, she doesn't have to have boob job. Man. No, 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 no. Like just her emotional highs and lows don't really seem that different. Like we're, one second she's di- she's going to Gaston like, oh, I don't want anything to do with you. And he's going, oh, but I fought wars. I've traveled the world, defeating the enemies of France. I'm, you know, and she's like, oh, no, I want someone who's smarter, who's read books, who's seen the world. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. And then she falls in love with a shut and dressed as a wolf. But, um, he's got a library. He's got a library, he does. Yeah. He has a magical book that can show her anything she wants. And there's a very heavy-handed scene in which she sees a plague mask. And he's like, your mum died of the plague. Oh, no. Um, but all in all, like I would recommend seeing it. I didn't see it in 3D. Because I, I don't see films in 3D. don't see the point. Uh, but like I said, it, don't go in expecting the music to be as good as the original. It's, it's not. But, you know, seeing everything, it's a very traditionally made film. Which I liked. Yeah. Yeah, the framing's good. It's got the same sort of framing as the cartoon does, which is nice to see recreated. Um, Josh Gad doesn't even try and hide his American accent. Kevin Klein is in it, and he's pretty fucking great. I love Kevin Klein. He has to be in any film set. He's always always a treat. (laughs) Oh, since uh, French Kiss. Yeah. Which I actually like. Oh, dear. I don't mind that film. What's wrong with French Kiss? It's got Jean de (laughs) Lille. Meg Ryan. When she was cute still. And Say not, she's not cute now. Have you seen her? Don't be racist to me. Have Meg you seen Ryan. a picture of McGrown now? No, I haven't seen her since. What's that film she got Baps out? Baps out? Oh, In the Cut? Yeah. yeah. She got everything out. Yeah. That's why it was called In the Cut. It was a documentary. Oh. It was a really weird documentary with Mark Ruffalo. Oh. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk didn't transform once, so it was a terrible prequel. Yeah, terrible. Didn't do any any science. Mark Ruffalo. But anyway, so uh, Beauty and the Beast, I give it, I, I, I give it an interesting... Um, I give it a Jeff Bridges. It's 50-50. Sometimes Jeff Bridges... 50-50. Sometimes Jeff Bridges is great, and then sometimes he's in films like The Noah, or The or the Learner, or whatever it was. What was the... Jeff Bridges is excellent in everything. No, because he also did... What was the Ryan Reynolds film where he died? R.I.P.D.? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's awesome in that. Can't understand a word he's saying. It's fantastic. <laughs> you can't understand why that film was made. Well, they had, it was a comic book license. Starman? Starman's a great film. Sure, it was Starman. 
The probably my favorite Jeff Bridges film is Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. <laughs> it's a great film. Not King Kong, nineteen seventy-seven King Kong <laughs> no. film. No, no. Wait, name a, name another Jeff Bridges film you like. Uh, Tron. Tron Legacy. <laughs> Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski's good. Iron Man. Yeah. He was the Iron Monger. He was really angry that Tony Stark was able to build that thing in no, a cave. Because he didn't have any hair. With a box of scraps. He didn't have any hair. Yeah, it was awesome. It looked good. <laughs> Jeff Bridges, man. It's... <laughs> okay. Well, was that Jeff one Bridges... where the country western singer? Crazy Heart. Yeah, that's it's a good, good film. film. Yeah, see? Jeff Bridges is great in everything. No, in there's a lot of films he's bad in. I, I mentioned two very bad films. True Grit. The remake is all right. True Grit. remake's excellent. It's all right. Just a bad person. No, that's not true. It's not even a remake, actually. It's an adaptation of the book. It doesn't count if it's already based on something else. It's not a remake unless you're actually remaking the film. And they didn't remake the film. You pleb. So, yeah, I give it a Jeff Bridges. 50-50 across the board. I mean, I, I think this is going to appeal Jeff a lot Bridges more to kids. Bridges wasn't in 50-50. It's going to appeal a lot more to kids than it does to adults. But I think that there are adults in there that really like the original. It's a film for babies. It's not a film for babies. Babies can't see. No way, they're, they're remaking Aladdin now as well. Taylor's oldest time. I really want to know what his dick looks like. Not Aladdin. I'm sure if you look on the internet, you'll find. No, someone would have drawn drawings. a picture, but I want to know what the animators were going by. Because, <laughs> like, is it barbed? Is there any. Like, would there be any detrimental effects to watching Emma Watson? No, he's just got a big human dick. Just but, yeah, that's you can see it in the film. That's why I thought. Dangling around. Like, because. If I was ever watching... He leaps over the guys in slow motion seat, just slap into their face. <laughs> if, if I was... It's a Crank 2 <laughs> remake as well. Yeah. Like the horse scene's just done with Beast. Yeah. Um, if I was Emma Watson, I'd probably go for a ride on it. Like, well, she trapped, can't until she's, he's she, attractive. She's trapped in a tower with this guy. Look, the message of the film handsome. is that you can't really be attractive to someone until... <laughs> you can be a decent person and someone can think you're suitable... But they're not going to actually want to go out of you until you're handsome. So is this just a remake of The Hottie and the Naughty? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, that's not true. I think that I'm a hideous person, but I had sex with a few people. It's quite nice. I think they like my face. I don't think they like my face. <laughs> You've always got that plastic paper bag in your room, though. <laughs> the one that says I'm not famous well, anymore. Well, has got a picture of Hugh Jackman on it. <laughs> And <laughs> it's actually just Ryan Reynolds underneath. I've just stapled Hugh, Jack- Hugh Jackman over. Yeah. Um, are you going to go see Beauty and the Beast? No. Are you going to go see any of these Ad- Aladdin remakes? They're doing The Lion King as no. well. No. No. I've seen the animated films. I've seen the prime version of the films. You've seen the prime version of the music. And these sets are incredible. Yeah. No one fights like Gaston. I don't know no more words. <laughs> Your turn. Right, um, so I'm going to review a game called I got sent a code for the other day called Vortex Jugo. It's a puzzle game. Okay, right, we're going to... How much like Tetris is it? Nothing. Okay, so here's the thing, right? How much like Mean Bean Machine You know how it? like puzzle games, like, they usually have a really simple mechanic. That's the whole point. It's like a simple thing and you work it out, right? It's a simple thing that can that can expand and yeah. become something so like, more complex. Tetris. Yep. The aim of Tetris... Is to put pieces in a grid and make a line. When yeah. you make a line, the line disappears. Yes. You know, uh, Doctor Mario. You, you get you get viruses you rip and you off put Dr. same colour pieces on top of the virus and it kills the virus. You rip off Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Doctor Mario predates Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine by quite a few years. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. No, it, it very much does. I don't even know what we talk about anymore. Mm. Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine is Poyo Pop. 
which is where you match together three or more of the same colour goo thing, oh, yeah. and they pop, and you create chains. Yeah. Uh, devil dice. A porn lady follows you, you roll dice around, and then you match up the numbers to the number of dice. So two twos, five fives, six sixes, whatever. I wonder if Simple. she wants to see beasts. Right. Vortex Jugo yep. was a bit too complicated. Because here's what goes on in Vortex Jugo. I'm going to try and explain how the game plays here, okay? Okay. So, Use as little... Yeah, I'm going to make it as efficient as possible, yeah. okay? Okay. So, you got a grid, like a square, and there's pieces on the square, and they've all got numbers on them. Yeah. And outside the grid is the numbers that will fall into those spaces when you make matches. Okay. You match up numbers together. So seven and seven go together, but it doesn't add up to a 14. It adds up to an eight. It bumps up the number by one each time. Okay. But if you add two numbers together, add up to 15, they turn into a piece of pie. Now the pie can be in three different colors. If you match two pieces of pie of the same color together, they create a nom. The nom will be a white nom. But if you match two pieces of pie together with different colors, they turn into another nom, which is a black nom. Now, if you put two noms together, they create a void, and the void will be a hand. And the hand will try and eat pies and noms as they go around. Every time you make matches, the floor beneath the piece that you match turns grey. And the game ends when you've either, when you've filled up the entire grid in grey. Um, you can't get rid of the greyness. It's always there. So you've got to be careful what moves you're making. Okay. Now, the pieces also have shapes to them, which when you move a, like a square onto a circle, it'll make a triangle. Yeah. So it basically adds all minuses aside. I don't know what the shapes mean. Uh, it just seems to happen. It's just a thing. As okay. far as I can tell. Now, when you create one of those voids and the noms on, you can't, and the void there, and the Jugo hand is there, and it starts growing until it wants to grab a pie. If it goes fully red, it'll grab a piece and take it off the board, and it'll, you'll give him points. Okay. And your aim is to score more points than Jugo has. Now, you can move pieces over the void as if it wasn't there. So you can match, if there's two sevens either side of the void, you move one seven to the other seven, it'll match together. If you want to get rid of a void, you can throw a piece into the void, and it'll give Jugo some points, but it'll let you take control of that piece again. And the aim is to make sure that you've always got pieces around to move and you can keep going, try and avoid filling out the entire square with grey and have more points than Jugo has at the end of it. It's quite simple. I don't know why you're finding this so difficult to quite understand. I'm not. I'm, well, I had one question. Mm. Jugo. Yeah. Does he have to follow these same constraints to cause the... Jugo's just a hand. Oh. So just a, you're fighting just a, a hand that has none of these constraints to go through. The hand just glows and it comes out the hole and then it grabs a piece. And gets so points. it literally it is literally. You don't not, want to feed Jugo. It's not managed by any of the rules that you're managed by. It just gets redder as you make turns, and then it grabs a piece and it gets points. And you're so able to get you more earn points more than points Jugo. Per turn, does it increase in in speed that it goes red or no? So there's literally he'll just get like a hundred and some odd thousand points. And your aim is to make sure that by the time you fill the grid up and you get all your bonus points at the end, which I don't know what determines them, I think it's what pieces you got on the grid, mm-hmm. you have more points than Jugo has. Great. So yeah. this sounds fucking stupid. Yeah. Firstly, what the fuck? The thing is with it, there's a lot. There's too many rules going on. Too yeah. many. Because most games they'll have like numbers, or they'll yeah. have colours, or they'll have shapes, or yeah. they'll have a single thing that you interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like numbers, colours, shapes, like weird plot devices and menu, you know things that are in the game that gameplay devices that you have to work around. Yeah, and it gets too complicated. They basically they basically created a video game version of Number Wang, which yeah. no, which you know how to play Number Wang, don't you? Yeah, yeah, everyone knows how to play Number Wang. You got to pick a seven and eight. That's Number Wang. Yeah, so pick some, just play Number Wang. Pick some numbers: seven, fourteen, twenty-one. Keep going. Thirty-five, ninety-two, hundred sixty. That's Number Wang. Round two. Yes. Do I win? No, you're on round two now. Do, but do I win round one? Yeah, you've won round one. That's number wang. Okay. Is there someone no, else? One was number wang. Are, are we in two-player number wang now? Yeah. Okay, so who's my opponent and how are they scoring their number? Are they following the same rules I am for number wang? Possibly. 
then I'm no longer playing the game. Should we turn the board around? I am no longer playing the game because it no longer makes sense to compete against someone who's working to a different constraint than you are. No. You're fighting against something that isn't managed by the rules you How have to How many rules fight. are there? Jesus. How many rules do you think this game has? Many. Like, it sounds like around 20. That's number wang. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like... <laughs> that's the thing, there's too much going on. And while you're playing it, like, eventually you can sort of figure out how the things match together. Yeah. But because the game does a really poor job of telling you what the overall goal is to do, like it took me ages to figure mm-hmm. out what the overall goal was and how I'm supposed to get enough points to beat Jugo. Yeah. Um, it just kind of goes nowhere. Like I beat the first level and got the target score on it. Yeah. Um, which is written as 2,000k, but what it wants is 2 million. Mm-hmm. 2,000k is a weird way to write 2 million. Why not just write 2 million? I don't know. This yeah. game sounds like it's nonsensical to but- me. I beat that score and I went and checked the leaderboard and it's on the video I did and I was only the 21st person to ever beat the score in that game Jeez. and it's been in early access for ages but like it's just coming out this week as out of early access um, and it's I like mean, I, I like than... the sound design I like the like the way the presentation it's really chilled and relaxed and it's like it's got this chill electronic music playing and when you make matches it goes whoom, 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 like that um, and there's all these different stages you can play and they've all got different themes like the numbers will be a mixture of really high numbers and really low numbers yeah. so your aim is to try and get 15s and stuff and things like that and I get how it works but there's just too much of it it's mm. just like you're constantly bouncing like 17 different rule sets that's number wang by the way um, <laughs> together in order to make you know this thing work and then eventually you just accidentally fill the grid with the grey spaces yeah. and it ends and you're like eh and you don't know how many, and you go just, and you go just ends up taking tons of points. Yeah. Um, the system you get, like you know, have the three star rating system that you get on most games these days because yeah. they all have to have mobile games. Mm-hmm. The three star rating this isn't based on how many points you get. It's one is um, that you've just scored the target. One of them's like, one of them's that you've filled the grid. One of them's that you've scored the target, and one of them's that you didn't um, close a void or give any pieces to Hugo, which is just kind of like a weird way to do it because even like the top player has only got two stars. Yeah. But the person who scored the highest points. Because it sounds like Jugo is just completely un- unbridled by any of this. Yeah, you just have to throw points and you basically have to just make a decision to get rid of points to get rid of him. Yeah. And keep the game going as long as you can. It just doesn't sound very well thought out. Yeah. I think the basic idea is you want to be trying making moves on as small a space as possible so you're not filling the grid up with grey mm. squares. But there's too much going on. It's complicated. It's only a couple of quid and it's like... There's a demo of it, so you can give it a try and see if you can figure it out. But the tutorial does a really bad job of giving you the end goal and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it could have been better. Could have been they, they need to refine it. I think they should have just stuck to numbers. You know, get rid of the whole like pie thing and the noms. Just have it like a fluid Sudoku. Yeah. So have it so that if you can get ascending numbers and link them in a chain next to each other, it clears them. I make it so that, like. The grey squares thing on the bases you get rid of. Mm. Don't have that. The way the game ends is if Hugo steals a piece. Yeah. So then Hugo, Hugo, whatever his name is, if he steals a piece, it's game over. So your aim is to make sure you can always make a move that gets rid of him. Have a move that gets rid of him. Yeah. A specific thing that you have to do. Like maybe you have to put one of the pieces of pie in him to get rid of Hugo. Mm-hmm. Don't make you lose points for doing that. Surely you should be rewarded for getting rid of him. Yeah, like say give you a two minute, two minute pause if you can get a green mm. piece of pie. But it's like, him. it needs to be something where it's like, there's less complex systems going on and there's a reason to keep trying to get rid of him. But game over happens when you haven't been able to find a way to get rid of him before he glows red and takes the piece. Aesthetically, what is the design? Is it like a sort of Aztec? Yeah, it's all really clear and like clean, minimalist. So it's all the pieces are just like... So even then, like, Jugo's not really explained as like... There's no... He's just a JPEG, like, semi-transparent hand. 
That's pretty irritating. Like, I don't know why... Mm. I mean, as much as I understand puzzle games don't always need a story, if you've got a sentient hand not dictated not dictated by rules and it's almost like a godlike figure that's deciding your fate randomly, yeah. just give us some sort of drive against that, maybe? <laughs> it's a bit strange. It is really strange. Tell you one thing that's odd, though. The, uh, the game's logo isn't using the Jugo font. Because I, because they didn't have a copy. Because you know, I have a bugbear yeah. where I don't like it when they make the f- um, logo available for a game. Mm-hmm. So I had to basically recreate the logo. So I found the font that the game used and then traced it over. Yeah. And I recreated the logo for the thumbnail I did. Um, but it's actually like Al Alhania or something like that. Like you think you'd use the Jugo font if your game's yeah. called Vortex Jugo. <laughs> That's inconsequential. But it's like you know, I like it's got nice presentation. I think they just went a really overboard with it, it sounds, and they've it, done I'm, a poor job explaining it as well it sounds so interesting but it sounds interesting because there's these massive flaws that, mm. that you'd think that anyone with any idea about game programming or anyone who'd looked at a product for long enough would be able to go well this is a glaring I idea I think their goal was to make a really complicated puzzle game and they achieved it well yeah, done. But <laughs> it doesn't sound like it's complicated and could be you know done with skill <laughs> it's clearly confusing. because you know skilled players at the top of the leaderboard aren't able to Achieve just the minimum yeah. of free stuff. I was only twenty places away from the top of the leaderboard. <laughs> like, yeah, I literally, I was the, I was literally the first person. I was, I'm the lowest scoring person to pass the target on the leaderboard. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you review a thing. You rap scallion. <laughs> rap scallion. Mm. Jesus, it's been a long time since I've been that's called your, that. That's your rapper name. <laughs> no, no, that's actually <laughs> the name that I had to use in court. Anyway, uh, my next review is going to be Shin Megami Tensei 4 for the 3DS. Oh, that game you, you stole. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Uh, it is essentially Pokemon, but instead of catching monsters by slowly uh, pushing their health down to as low as you can go before hitting zero, you have to just talk to people and use your items and money to convince them to join your party. Um, mm. Unlike Pokemon, the idea isn't to level each individual creature up quickly to a high level so you can defeat villains. It's actually to take enemies and then merge them to make more powerful enemies. That's a basic mechanic of the Shimagami yeah. Tensei. That is, yeah, that is. it is indeed. Um, but you play a character who is being trained to be a samurai. The process in the very beginning, as it's explained to you, is that you go to a square, um, a person hands you a glove or gauntlet that you put on your hand, and then if it accepts you as as its owner, you then become a samurai. And you go oh, and you right. hunt demons in the uh, in the tunnels below below the city. Um, over time, there are other mechanics that appear. Like there is a black samurai who's distributing books to people. Um, and you find more and more that these books are transforming people into demons. Oh, no. So like arcane knowledge. And when they read them, they become imbued with the evil powers. Uh, the first person you notice has been affected by this is your best friend who also went to the ceremony and wasn't sadly picked by a gauntlet to continue on the heritage of the samurais. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, you do find that you enter into a demonic realm uh, by going far enough down into the tunnel, and that transfers you into Tokyo, which is a sort of post-apocalyptic, demon-infested world where thugs and monsters run around. You have to fight them to... Just like the real to, Tokyo. Yeah, to find out what exactly has gone on. Um... I'm a fan of the Pokemon games. I'm a big fan of the Pokemon games. I've played most of them. I don't say it's not Pokemon, because you still fight. Your monsters are like your special moves. Yeah, it's it's more like the old Final Fantasies. Yeah. So it's more like old Final Fantasy where you create a team. The team in this can consist of demons. So you can have four people, and then you have a fifth um, like uh, NPC. Hmm. And the NPC throws out 
moves out there. So you can't pick the NPC. It's always whoever's dictated as your NPC for that quest. Yeah. Um, and then your demons you control about. So you pick moves to shoot out and you can, you know, do stuff. Um, and it's always, it, it's almost never a one on one, a one on four battle. It's almost always your four or five people versus two or three demons or four or a horde. And the great thing are, uh, great thing about this, this particular game is if you're fighting a horde, the horde isn't dictated by um, any one weakness. You have to go by the weakness of of whatever's dictated. So you can never quite know on initially fighting the horde what their weakness is. Whilst with other monsters, you can find out over time what their weakness is. So if you've got a fire move and that demon's weak to fire, it'll have an exclamation mark. Yeah. It won't tell you what that means. It just means that there'll be an adverse effect to you using that move on the monster. If he's weak to that move, you gain an additional turn. Yeah. So you get a push turn. That's how they're done in all the games. Yeah. <laughs> so you initially, if you've got four demons, you've got four moves. Mm-hmm. If you manage to use your push turn, so if you manage to use something that's weak against the characters, you get an additional turn, so you get a total of eight turns. Yeah. Um, that does, that, that both uh, succeeds and, and depletes the, the, the sort of the, uh, s- the skill required to fight bosses. Because I've had so many bosses where I've gone up against them and they're like level 20. And I'll be level 16, 17, 18. And I've been able to win that fight by just having specific moves for each person. So I'll have like Zan is the force one, Aggie is the fire, um, or, uh, um, Maba or Mabu is the uh, ice. It's Bufu is. Is the, it Bufu? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Mabufu yeah, Mabufu is, is all yeah. yeah. opponents. So, um, and yeah. so you, so you end up sort of you end up being able to predict that according to your fighting stuff it's I mean it's still a great game I'm still playing it I'm 20 hours in you're not that far through the game no I am I, I've already checked online where I am in the game I know exactly where I am and how long I've got left yeah but it's it's. I'm still really enjoying it I'm going to keep playing it and then I'm going to play um, I sort of started Persona Q but I'm not ready to review that yet because I haven't done a dungeon or two yeah so um, I'm going to do that next, but I think I'm going to go back to the Shin Megami Tensei 4 series because they've got Apocalypse, yeah, which is the story of a hunter, which are the otherworldly um, Tokyo as we know it now, um, demon fighters, are hunters. I think you're supposed to play the regular Shin Megami Tensei 4, then Apocalypse, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, that's what I'm should. doing. Yeah, so I'm playing from the perspective of the samurai. The samurai goes to the Tokyo and it's hunters, and it seems to be the other way around with Apocalypse. Yeah. So you go as a hunter, and then eventually you travel to the samurai world find that devastated as well who know I don't know um, but anyway it's, it's extraordinary costs a lot still still like 30 quid to buy yeah we didn't buy it shut up um, it's still <laughs> like 30 quid to buy and it's and I, it's hard to recommend on that front but they are releasing the fifth one soon for the Switch uh, don't know if it's coming to England or America that's going to be fun to see maybe region unlocked I don't know if the sw- is Switch, yeah, Switch is reading free. free yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, that's never mind. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know, I'm 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 playing this, and I'm already considering uh, maybe investing in Switch once Shin Megami Tensei Five comes out because I actually do kind of want to play. It. And Persona Five Complete. Well, is it Persona Five's coming out on it? No, just Sky Five's got Sky Five. That's yeah, that's out already, isn't it? I'm free. I don't know. Already seen. I thought you said Persona Five was coming out. No, no, right Persona now. Five won't play on Switch. I mean, it might. Try to support the PS3 version. Yeah, maybe. Never know. Um, but uh, but yeah, great, great. It's really fun. Yeah. Really fun. Really enjoying mm-hmm. it. I give it a very strong Tom Atkins. It's actually probably probably the second best uh, 3DS game I've played. Really? Yeah. You're discounting how many classic 3DS games have we got? What? How many classic 3DS games are you discounting to say they're not the second best? 
Uh, I'm putting below it. 130, 140? Yeah, yeah. What's the number one 3DS game? For me? Yeah. Mr. Mosquito 3D. Mr. There isn't a Mr. Mr. Mosquito. <laughs> there is. Mr. Mosquito 3D. There's a special version in which you're just on a train and you are just going up to women pulling I've their skirts Mr. down. Mos- Do I have Mr. Mosquito? You go up to women and you pull the skirts down and you rip their tops open and then they start jacking you off. No, that's not Mr. Mosquito. That's Mr. Mosquito. He's got I a think mosquito you might be playing mask. Rape play the. <laughs> He's got a nose. No, they like it because at first they reject you and then they're into it. That's not how it works. It is apparently in in, uh, in hentai. Oh god. No. <laughs> yeah, that's how hentai works. No. They're like, no, 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 don't have sex with me, demon monster. And they're like, ooh. You and your obsession with Sundari girls. <laughs> what? Don't worry, I'll explain to you when you're older. No, explain now, on the podcast. Sundere is a girl who's like, I don't like it, but secretly she does, which is oh. basically the excuse guys in Japan like to use to rape women. Is rape quite prevalent in Japan? Am yeah. I causing a lot of offence yeah. right now? Yeah, they've got a lot of problems with sexual harassment over there. <laughs> I'm fucking sorry, Japan. Like, people get molested on the trains oh, and stuff. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. I'm really bad. sorry, guys. This is this is become embarrassing, because mm. all the documentary, I mean, animated films I've watched... Um, they present it as a completely different story. Also, is there really a demon realm in in Japan? Is yes. there really like a hidden world where women go to have sex with demons and have their children? Yeah, you've seen Naruto Doji, Legends of the Overthing, haven't you? Yeah, you told me about it. I watched it. Yeah, that was classic. a dark movie. It's a that was a film. weird movie it's because lovely. you should watch the other ones with the Nazis and stuff in it, and they're Nazi sex machines and stuff. How many? Ep- how many? It's like episodes, isn't it? How many? There's only those? three animated films. The fourth mm. one never got finished. Okay, well I've seen one and two now because mm. I accidentally watched two thinking it was one. Yeah. <sighs> cool. That's the one with the big giant sex machine thing. That the. No, that's at the end where the where the monster that's had his baby is destroying the world. Yeah. And she's a ghost womb. Yeah. Yeah? That's the first one. Wait. The first one starts off with the, it's all the high school kid. It's set in modern day Tokyo. Second one's like set in World War Two. No, because there's one that's set in there's one that's set in a place where a kid's masturbating and and the guy gets some semen on his hand and he gets it in his mouth and he's a demon. And then there's the other one where it's just the kid that was masturbating because he has overfiend powers. No, I think that's how it goes. Isn't it? <sighs> this is actually the, see this is the first this is the first part of the podcast where I'm not joking about what I've seen, mm. and it sounds like I'm joking about it, but it actually happened. It's gross. You're watching your sick, sick filth. It was on YouTube. Sick filth. It's on YouTube. No, it's no excuse. It is an excuse. It was on YouTube. It should be free for everyone. It should be fine. Are you done now? Yeah. Okay, what's our review next? Uh, Ukulele. I played it. Barely played it. I played it for like an hour. Oh. Um, right, I'm going to review Missile Cards. Missile Cards yeah. is a game. Yeah. Congratulations on being a game. Yeah. Um, it's made by Nathan Muner, who made a game a few years ago called uh, This Book is a Dungeon, which I I think I reviewed on here, actually. Which is like a Wait, text adventure sort of choose your adventure. This Book is for the Spiders? Type. No. Oh. This book is a dungeon. Um, this book is full of that game was like a text, you know, you know, Twine games. Yes, it was like that cross with a sort of Dungeons and Dragons. The idea was you were put inside a book, so the whole game was presented like a book. I made That's a alive twine and full of things. They're not real games. They are. But... Wait, wait. It's not a real game when I do it, but when this guy yeah. does, he's fucking sucking yeah, it's his fine. dick. He did a lot better. Um, but Missile Cards is completely different. Missile Cards is essentially taking uh, the sort of premise of Missile Command with things falling from the sky for you to shoot and mixing it with sort of card games, solitaire and stuff like that. So the idea is you have a little conveyor belt 
and these items come along and it'll be a, it'll show comets, weapons, defense things, whatever. Yeah. And when they drop into the bin at the end, mm-hmm. if it's a comet, it'll drop down on your screen and start heading towards your base one turn okay. at a time. Yeah. And if it's a weapon, you can chuck it into your grid at the top to power it up and fight back and blow them up. Yeah. Simple stuff. It's really challenging. Um, various little ways challenging comes into it. Like when you get to later levels, um, when you go to different levels, the buildings, you have to protect the bomber at different heights. So you have to start so worrying about like how long command. you've got. That's what it says. It says like Missile Command. Oh. Um, so it's got a lot of strategy involved in it. It's a, it's a very strategic game. Um, you have things like power-ups where you discard cards to power them up so you can fight back and stuff. Yeah. Um, I usually throw away the batteries and there's like this tractor beam thing that sucks up points you use to unlock new cards. Yeah. Um, and he's put a leveling structure in there which wasn't in the demo I played ages ago. Um, he's done all sorts of little tweaks to it from the demo that I played. I think I played it on the channel like last year in October or something like that. Okay. Um, and he's done things that I mean, there's a couple of things I suggested. Like at the start of the game, sometimes you didn't get a weapon at the start mm-hmm. and it put you in a really bad spot if you're not lucky. So he's made sure there's always a weapon at the start and the first card you place is like a free placement. Yeah. Um, and every turn you get two AP and that's what you use to pay for the cards you're putting in the thing. So if you've got a card that's got four on it, it's damage is four. You need four AP to place it. Yeah, and then as you go along, there's cards that require more. So it's all strategy management and stuff like that. Um, it plays really nice and smoothly. It's really well made. It's got brilliant, like really grindy, dirty sounding chip tune music. That's awesome. Um, the level music, level select music is really cool. Um, loads of unlocks to do on it. That'll just. Um, I mean, he reckons he's playing it, and he says he can um, unlock everything in about seven hours or so. Okay, which is all right. It's only, it's only like four pound the game, so it's nice and dirt cheap, and it's like. I mean, I've played it a whole bunch already, and it's like it can get frustrating when you get a couple of bad games in a row because mm. it is luck of the draw. Yeah, you you play with the hand you're dealt, and can it's you not always the good. Deck at all? Um, you can unlock extra cards, so you get basically you can unlock three separate slots to put one yeah. bonus card in. So you can get one that's like a card that you can target what you want to hit, uh, one that pops shields up over your bases, um, stuff like that. Like late, you know, extra power ups and stuff like that. Ones that increase the value of certain things, like yeah, you know. Um, the little chip things you collect to buy unlocks and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got like a nice progression to it. Like every time you finish level, you get XP. So you can keep repeating the levels and boosting up XP to make your bases stronger to help you survive the later levels. Because it can get tricky. Like mm. the way the way you lose is like you have a main central base and if that's got life points, you can have up to six hit points. And if a rock, if a comet's got like four and it, it'll take four hit points off and whatnot. So when that's lost its hit points, it blows up. But there's also stuff like the buildings at the side can take one hit. If they take a second, the whole base blows up. Um, there's nukes that come down, which you have to shoot them for the damage value they've got to disarm them. So when they go disarm, they become inert and they'll still do one hit point damage when they land. Yeah. But ideally you want to blow them up so they don't take away defences. But sometimes you'll have to sacrifice your defences in order to keep going. Yeah. So it's all really nicely thought out. He's spent a lot of time tweaking. and. Is it just one guy? Yeah, one guy made it. Um, That's pretty impressive. Yeah, he knows he knows what he's doing. It's it like I've played two of his previous games, and this is like a massive improvement in terms of like just pure technical skill and gameplay design and mechanics and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, over his previous stuff, like the previous one he did before this book is a dungeon, um, which I think was called Go to Bed. It was one where there's like a kid in the bed and there's hands coming out from the side, and you have to try and just whack the hands away and. Okay. All this sort of stuff. Really simple. Jim Sterling played it on his channel once. Um, but um, it's like, that was a really simple game. And this book is a dungeon, was a twine game, which is like, that's all like a choose your own adventure, essentially, with some with a few little extra tweaks on top of it. 
Okay. Like, you know, it's more complex than a user adventure, but you could turn one of those things into a book, literally, with Twine. But this is more of a full-up game. Hmm. Um, he's not sold a massive amount of copies of it yet, which is worrying, but every single reviewer is positive so far. So there's a, there's a chance to grow. Yeah, he needs to sell quite a few more. I think he's thinking about, like, console and mobile ports, but... It's whether it's worth spending the money when it only sold... I think right now he said something like it sold about 150-something copies on Steam. Well, that's the thing. Steam is isn't... No visibility. Like The thing about Steam as well is it's not constant sales. There's ebb and flow. Yeah, you still want to say it. Well, if, you get, if you get in a sale, you've got a chance of... Yeah, if you were to like... A few. If you just knock it down by a quid in the sale, mm. 25% off looks nice. you just got to hope it gets visible on the Steam sale, though. Don't yeah. You? It's visibility yeah. on Steam because the thing is, you release your game any day you release it, mm. it's going to be swamped under a shit ton of stuff. Which yeah. apparently Steam are going to because they're ending Greenlight, aren't they? And they why in, are they ending Greenlight? I thought they were hiring people to no. Because the thing the thing with Greenlight is that it's just become a open the floodgates and all sorts of crap gets put on. Mm. So now they're making it purely you have to pay to get the games on there, but everyone's undecided whether it should be a higher cost or a lower cost and stuff like that. But it's still gonna it's still going to be a floodgates. Game Wait, free. so. Now they're just going to... Re- so Greenlight was the process in which you would send something to be greenlit. Yeah, Greenlight was like, rather than Steam saying, yeah, we'll accept it, it was let the... Community. Decide. But it costs you $100 to post a game to Greenlight, but once you've posted one, you can post as many as you like. So you pay your $100 and you just chuck everything up that you want. Mm. But the new way of doing it is per game you have to pay to put it up there, which like um, a lot of independent developers are like, that's a better idea, but we don't want the cost to be too high. Mm. Because it'll be prohibitive for some people. I think I th- the way it sounds, it sounds like they're going to go for something like two hundred dollars or something, which I think per game, just to put a game up, which I think is like considering to have the Steam back office API probably costs about that. You're probably mm. you're probably spending that much anyway. So, um, but it seems like like this game is really good, and I think it deserves to sell a few more copies. And you know, absolutely. I mean, it does sound like a really interesting idea. I've not played it. No, but it's cause... just. Nicely designed, yeah, and all that, and it, it works. It's weird. It's weird to hear about a game that just works, yeah. Because I'm going to talk about a game later that doesn't work. No, yeah. but yeah, missile card. It's like four quid. I've been retweeting the shit out of it this week, trying to get people to buy it because yeah. they should. I know one person brought it. He watched my video, told me so. Oh, that's good. That's got you nice. got one sale out of it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he was aiming to sell five thousand in the first month to make money back, which isn't much for an indie no. game. But once you get lost in that. Mm. Undercurrent. Like, I remember when I saw Android Cat just came out. Their game appeared on Steam's new releases mm. for like a few, but like an hour before yeah. it just got dragged under. Yeah. Um. And that was when that's like the new releases where it's like because the new release list on Steam isn't actually the last games that were released. No. It's like games that have been released in recently that are selling enough and getting enough reviews to stay up there. Yeah. And I saw Android Cat just had a quick burst at the start and then just dragged under. Yeah. Instantly. Shitty, isn't it? But um. Yeah, missile cards deserves more more love. Hmm. I think it's a good game. Good game. It sounds interesting. Again, I, I, I just don't know PC game. I think it'll have like if it gets released. I don't know. Mobile's also a bit of a floodgates thing that if you get released on it, you can get dragged under. Mm. But it would be a really easy fit for mobile. And he's yeah. been talking about controller support. And I think if this got released on like 3ds, Switch, PlayStation Network, like for a couple of quid, like I wonder what Nintendo's publishing it. system is like. I don't know. And apparently, Nintendo are a lot easier on indie stuff now. Yeah, why? Well, uh, after the Wii U, they must have. Yeah, because the Wii U was great for indie stuff, wasn't it? It wasn't at first. The guy, I know the guy who ran it quit after a while because he yeah. was fed up with it. But um, they've definitely like got a bit better, and it'd be interesting. I think it'd be a perfectly simple fit 
considering they have a touchscreen console. But yeah, no one uses the touchscreen on. Yeah, it'd be a good choice to get <laughs> some games that work on it. You should release it. It'll be worth the game. Only four quid, man. Yeah, four quid's not a bad mm. price at all. Yeah, nothing for any game. Hour of ent- hours of entertainment. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. You review something, you penis. All right, my next review is going to be a Netflix series that was recently released. Can you guess what it is, Ant? Uh, Mystery Science Theatre 3000. No. No, oh, well, I wouldn't bother reviewing anything else because that's all that's out there. Well, Mystery Science Theatre 3000, I am seven episodes through, yeah. and I love it, but I'm not done yet. I'm not going to review it until I'm completely Really? Done. That's why I said delay the podcast I know, today. I know that's why you said, but I had to go dog walking yesterday, I had to see my family today, I have a bunch of stuff on the agenda. Dog walking. You remove the walk, and you remove a space, then you've got it. Hmm. I don't share well with others, so no. That's not what I was up to. I was genuinely dog walking. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, what I uh, what I watched was 13 Reasons Why. The teen angst melodrama about a girl killing herself in school, leaving behind a series of tapes followed by her intrepid teenager who uh, must unlock the secrets as to why she killed herself. Do you need a shit? No. Um, can you guess what happens in this film? Because it was series, because there's 13 episodes. I, I I know that you've seen films. I know you know teen dramas better than anyone else. I know that you've you've been outside schools. You've monitored their conversations so you can make your own teen drama. Yeah, I've sat um, and watched children at you've sat schools. And, watched them, and I yeah. I know that you've had a few casting calls down in the basement. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about what do you think? So this girl killed herself. That's the only information I'm going to give you. Hmm. What do you think the reasons are? When you give me two reasons that she killed herself. Um, someone called her a fag lord on Call of Duty. Sexual harassment, yeah, okay. And the other one? What is it? What is always... Her parents just don't understand. Oh, oh, that's actually in there. Okay, yeah. all right, I'm going to give you a bonus one. Time travel. Oh, she wishes she could time travel because she was raped. Oh. Oh, so rape's a plot device again. Wicked. Yeah. Um, okay, so 13 Reasons Why. Sorry to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. You're probably not going to watch because it's been on Netflix now for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. People who are going to watch this sort of thing immediately click on recently added and watch it, don't they? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, re- I've been watching Power Rangers, so... The reason I, I ended up watching it is because, oddly enough, I saw Power Rangers. I was I wanted to watch something that had... I had heard rave reviews. I'd heard people talking about it all the time saying, this is great, this is a portrayal of teenagers that works... And then I watch it and I don't see any teenagers. They're all about 20, 21. Of course they are. There's no such thing as teenagers in Hollywood. But also... Um, They're all buff 20-somethings. In the first episode, <laughs> in the first episode, I made I, I made a little list. Because I watched the first half hour and I was like, well, this seems awfully generic for it to be something that people were so happy to rave about. I mean, I know it's having a conversation. And in the front, tastefully, in the very front of the series, you get a little thing that says if you're experiencing any of these issues then you can call this number, you can get help, it's got Samaritan's number. And, you know, that's good. That's great because that's getting out information that people with mental health issues, like myself, I, I suffer from depression. I'm not afraid to talk about my issues with it and how I've been affected by it. But to have that at the beginning of a series like this and make that series an 18, teenagers aren't going to be watching this and if they are, they're going to be late teens. Teenagers don't watch this stuff, no. Exactly. But, but anyway, so that's that's besides the point. Unless that's, you offer tits the whole way through it. There are some boo. But Sweet, that's, that's, watching that's, it. That's, <laughs> liked. <laughs> but that's besides the point. That's not... I made a little list at the beginning, and I was like, okay, so... All right, so she's killed herself, which you find out in the first episode. Spoilers. Yeah. For the Spoilers, show. Sorry, guys. And the the boy that she's given takes to... the end to, of the show and goes, oh my God, she killed herself. <laughs> I couldn't stop it. 
even though it happened three weeks ago. Um, but in the beginning, she says that she's dead and the tapes have been passed over to a boy that she seemed very friendly with. There's mm. a lot of like banter between the two and they have conversations. It's very lovely. Um, mad bands. <laughs> love mad bands. Mm. So what I did was I paused it and I made a list. And on that list, I wrote, I wrote a bunch of things that I thought would happen in between that first episode and the last episode. And I went through them and ticked them off as they happened. And I missed one. Oh. I missed one. I thought for sure there was going to be a divorce subplot. Oh. And it didn't happen for the whole series. didn't happen. There, there, were, there were like little hints. It doesn't need to be because divorce is actually on a little time low. Yeah, well, there were hints at it in the in the series. Hmm. So you know that like, there were the plot devices where they were like, the, the mum seems withdrawn and stuff like that. But never came about. But all the rest did. Bullying, sexual harassment, sex, racism, you know, all that other shit. All that was in there. She's not... Being summoned by a giant white. floating head to give the powers to teenagers of attitude. No, no, that didn't happen. Oh. But, but that wasn't on my list. Oh. Uh, but there are good things to say about this. Despite not having any teenagers in it, those who have dramatic roles, who have roles where they aren't just stereotypes within that environment, work well. Mm. You've got a teenager who doesn't drink, but is also not adverse to having a drink. You know, so you've not got, yeah. so every teenager doesn't just have no inhibitions and they're downing drinks and smoking weed. Party. Yeah. You've got an, you've got a character in there who's witty, who's, who's not entirely, but also at the same time, he falls into the traps of being a teenager. He laughs when he shouldn't laugh because something, you know, everybody else is excited and laughing about because peer pressure exists. You know, people do that. People make mistakes do like that. Do any episodes end where they all start laughing? No, no, no. You know, like, oh. if there's a situation where in a, hall, in a corridor one character is being bullied and he laughs at what's happening, thinking that it's just a one-time thing because he's not constantly seeing it like the people that are being affected by it directly, he laughs and then that becomes a noticeable interaction between him and another character. Stuff like that is very well done. Yeah. They've got a great device for showing you when it's the past and the present by having the character and I'll explain this to you the first episode the character has an accident where he bangs his head and because you're dealing with a bunch of teenagers they don't change their look too often they don't look any different from three weeks before or three months before or a year before so to make sure that you understand that it's two different time periods the main character bangs his head just has a plaster on his head and you can see parts of the wound from behind the plaster simple shit like that that mainstream films aren't doing and it makes it confusing as fuck when you watch something because it's like the lake house but now they've given him this device and like you can tell when it's set, what's meant to be happening because the girl's not in every scene that he's in. So you got to remember, although he's learning why she did this, he may be in a different place at the time and he's trying to remember what he was doing that he couldn't prevent this or couldn't help mm. her. And so to have that character just be Joe Schmo with no head wound and no, no indication it's a different person, you wouldn't know. But just that simple plaster on the head is fucking excellent. It's stupid how simple that is, and I'm praising it because I don't see anything like that in film now. Most of the time in film, they've got their hair shoved to one side, and then in the next scene, they've got it shoved to the other side. And if you're like me and you're That's paying weird. attention to the plot and the discussion and the storyline, you're not seeing someone's hair flip floppy because you think they're all just Michael McIntyre and they've got a curtain of hair what that sways. What happens if the, the edit wing. requires them to reverse the shot? I don't fucking know. Oh, man. Anyway, so, yeah, so there are. It's it's not a terrible series. It's just it's super cliched, and then it's not cliched. It skirts a fine line between being the most generic thing and then non-generic. They've got the usual. There's a bad guy in town, and he's beating people up, and he's a strong guy, but he's gay. Oh, good for him. <laughs> and normally that'd be my response, but when it's in something that's so full of cliched, it is like taking a dip in a cliche pool of cliches. 
But, again... It, teen dramas tend to be full of cliché because they're written by 50-year-old men. Yeah, and that's the problem. This what is do based, teens do these days? Drugs! It's based on an older book. This kid listens to Alice Cooper all day. Probably one of the most evident things between this being a book from 2005 and this being mm. something that's filmed now are things like mobile phone technologies obviously mm. come along. And if you're if you're not focusing on changing stuff and updating it correctly, you fall into the trap of people having phones and then everybody's phone going off at the same time where someone does a mass text instead of someone just posting it on Facebook. Yeah. You know, shit like that. It's just simple shit that... That people think people still do. Like, everyone's got everyone in school's phone number on their phone, so they're just texting a picture. Just everybody gets... And everybody's phone goes off at the same time. They're all like, oh, scandalous! I was watching the other week, but... That was, it was Iron Fist, wasn't it? With the phone number screwing up the entire plot in one episode. Which part? Okay, so there's the part where Iron Fist has gone to the, you know, the crazy hand commune. Yeah. He loses his phone. It's specifically mentioned that he lost his phone. Now, the whole time he's there, Ward is in hospital. Yeah. And when he gets out of hospital, he's like, I'm going to call Iron Fist and tell him what's going on. Yeah. So he dials his phone, but then Iron Fist has got a phone and he answers it. It's like, but he, they made a point of him losing his phone. So he got a new phone. How did Ward get his phone number when he literally just came out of hospital? That a fucking mess. Yeah. Uh, didn't, I, didn't I review this already? Yeah, this. we did, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's not Anyway, very... 13 reasons for why. Was there 13 reasons? Yeah, there were 13 reasons. Did they each, take them all off? Each reason was a person. Hmm. And so each person had affected her in different ra- different ways. Yeah. There are loads of situations where I felt like characters were being driven in a direction just for the sake of moving the plot forward rather than the sake of the character actually having a reason to do those things. There's lots of mellow... Well, not mellow drama. It's the problem... Okay, so I think this is written by people that also don't understand mental illness. Because if I'm if I'm feeling depressed... If I if my depression is flaring up in a way that affects me, instead of me being in a haze where I'm just like looking sad and wandering around without interacting with people, I usually try and hide it more. So I become more expressive. I become more outlandish with the comments I say. I try and say and do things that You do make... stuff like have a podcast. Yeah. I try and vent via podcast. But I you don't you don't just suddenly start getting glazed over and looking at walls. Listening and, to Marilyn Manson. And listening to Marilyn Manson and crying. over. The, that's not how And I know I know it affects everyone in different ways. But I I have to believe that these people have consulted someone when it comes to mental illness and they've told them this. Because every scene she acts like she has a different diagnosis. It's like one scene she will be really sad, then the next scene she'll be acting up and going out, and then another scene she'll see the party at which Okay, so spoilers towards the end. She goes to a party in which she, someone she knows is a rapist, is at, and she willingly goes to that party and is drinking with people, interacting with a rapist as if he hasn't raped someone. She was one of the only witnesses to this crime, and she just goes, I'm going to go to his house and have a few drinks and sit in his jacuzzi, and I'm not going to expect anything to happen because there's other people here. It's like, you're fucking idiots. Who wrote this shit? Who genuinely thought that that's... That is not serviceable. As any sort... If you put a character into that position, you were only saying, well, she knew he was a rapist. Why did she go there? It's like 
it's like saying that someone intentionally puts themselves in that situation. So they are facilitating the rape, are they? Or are you just fucking awful at writing and you've suddenly discovered to yourself that you've written yourself into a fucking two-episode finale? You have no idea how to complete and she has to kill herself, so you have to work out why and give her a succinct reason because feeling sad and being bullied aren't enough in the world today. So you all of a sudden fucking go, all right, well, let's have a be raped. Let's put her through more of the ringer. We've already seen this girl being miserable for fucking ten hours. Why do we need to see this as well? Why does this need to happen? Why can you not explain this to me as a human being? Have him be vicious. Have him be angry. Have him be a villain. Hmm. If you need a villain Has for this piece. he got a piece. sports career? Yeah. Of course, they've always got a sports career. But, It'd be a shame for him to ruin his career with one simple <laughs> mistake. But if you've got a villain like that, if you've got someone that people know already does villainous stuff and you're just letting it fall by the wayside and making her into someone who is foolish enough despite knowing that she's shown intelligence in previous scenes foolish enough to go to the boy's house where there are only two other people that you know of and you're not expecting those two people who are already known to be having sex and fucking and going off and doing willy nilly and you're going to be left at oh just can you can you imagine someone writing this and it's done full stop dude ultimate script read it just like high school no it's fucking ridiculous, well, isn't it? He was at high school. He got loads of rapes done. He loved it. <laughs> like, the problem... This is this is the problem, I think, for both of us. We've seen enough films and enough TV now that these holes aren't just small holes. And this isn't us nitpicking at, at just nothing. This is us nitpicking at fucking massive sinkholes. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Opening up in the plot. This is something that I couldn't forget. I couldn't release myself from the situation and just enjoy a piece of media anymore. It was something where I was going to myself, you've, you've made me watch someone be tortured and then you've made them get tortured more. Whereas everything else, I can see how that happens. People lie, people bully, people do this shit. No one walks into a lion's den and doesn't expect to get fucking mauled to death. Like, who wrote that and then just decided that was fine as a piece of media? That's what shows are like these days, man. But no, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> That's like I keep saying every time we talk about something like this, and I get outraged at something shitty like this, like something fucking stupid that I can see as an issue. Other people will definitely see as an issue, or someone will go, "Well, I was in high school and I went to all the parties, and I knew someone was a rapist, but yeah, I just sort of forgot about it because they were just, you know, they uh, had parties with only a couple of people, and I went to them and I drank, and I didn't expect to get raped because you know how it is. I'm not." It's like. Did she at least have a reason to go to his house? No. Do you want to know? Do you want to know what happens? Shall I describe? Does she want to borrow his CD? No. She gets upset with her parents. No, sorry. Her parents get upset at her because they have a struggling business, and she has taken on the responsibility of delivering cash to the bank so that they can keep going for a little while longer. Mm. In plot, I have ish- in, in in plot point, I have issue with number one. She has on the top of her car. She puts the money and she puts her phone and she puts her coffee. She gets a phone call as she's doing as, as she's dealing with everything, and she remembers her coffee, but she forgets her bag. Despite her looking at what is in view, a bank bag, she she then goes, "Oh, okay." By the way, before she puts it on the roof, she has already opened the door to put other stuff in. So she could have just, as she takes the phone, picked up the bag, picked up the phone, chucked the bag in, picked up her coffee. As a normal human being would, because she is dealing with a large amount of money and a lot of responsibility her parents have relied on her for. She then drives out to meet a guy, just briefly, it's the guy she likes, one of the main characters. 
and they have a nice little conversation and then she realises what she's done she goes and tries to find the bag but she can't find it her parents are upset with her understandably so because she's fucked up and lost the bag but they're not saying to her you're awful you're the worst they're just visibly upset and in distress because they're worried about their future financially and they were hoping that their daughter would just focus a little bit on the task at hand but they're they're not being awful to her they are just, you know, you're scared. You're in a corner. You you fight back this human survival instinct. That's what they're experiencing then. And instead of her going, I understand I did something wrong. I'm really sorry. Let's rectify. Let's work on this as a team. I can get a summer job. I can help you out of the shop. I can do whatever you need me to do to rectify this situation. Instead of doing that and opening a discussion, she just, she just, it's done. I guess I fucked up. I'm going to go. And she just starts walking. Cue scenes of her walking up roads. And then eventually... What she song's gets, playing? I don't fucking remember. There's going to be a song, though. Eventually, she comes, to the, she comes to the rich area, yeah. and she gets to this rich person's house, and she hears music, and she just goes, I guess they're having a party then. And she goes back there and just gets in the hot tub, in her underwear. Huh. In a rapist's house. Yeah. A known rapist's house. She's in the hot tub with a rape victim. And she's like, this is fine. This is, this is my Saturday night. And then he comes in, and she's not like immediately like, yeah, I'm going home. She's just like she's just like oh I guess I'll stay here. No, I if you were about to be raped, you're in a you're in a jacuzzi. You know what you do? Eyes, testicles, whatever you can fucking grab and tear and rip and shred. Get your phone. You call. You scream. You do whatever you fucking can to survive. But no, she sits in the hot tub and she just starts having a conversation with him. When he gets closer, she doesn't assume anything's happening. And then she tries to get out when he's right behind her. It's just so poorly written. I know. I understand. It's hard. You're a 55-year-old white guy who last time he had anything to say, it was Trump on a fucking ballot card. And you were mostly voting against those damn immigrants that keep taking your job because you're not a very good writer and you keep pretending you are and you tell your parents you're going to do so well, but they're already dead. And they absolutely know you're a you fucking failure. Oh. So anyway, 13 reasons why. I, uh, I'd i say watch it. <laughs> Check it out. Check it out. I had an opinion on it, and I really can't give it an actor's name because I'm so fucked off of it right now. Because these these things get to me. Firstly, I always have an issue if someone's portraying mental health in a way that's cliched, and not just because it's cliched. It's because people seek those signs in every day to try and identify their mental health, and when they don't fall within those categories, it causes worse issues. And then you've also got people that are writing these things that haven't ever had any hands-on experience or any issues with mental health. They haven't consulted anyone or tried to find out what, how it affects people. And so they've gone and made assumptions about it, and it's just upsetting. Who wrote it? Um, I like a whole shit ton of people. Oh, really? Yeah. They did shows. Uh, Selena Gomez and something? Yeah, Selena Gomez. She produced it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so it was the first, re- first thing that guy made? Well, one of them. I don't think they might all be the same. Oh, what, they've all just made one thing? Oh, yeah. great, so there you go. So that's it, just a bunch of fucking cunts. Fuck them. I genuinely hope that if you're suffering from any sort of mental illness or if you're worried about your health, mentally or otherwise, don't ever seek solace in these programs. Don't seek help or don't don't mm. look for help in these programs. Look for help outside. bones. Oh, Samaritans is a good place to start in the UK. If you're not in the UK, there will be a helpline. If not, then just reach out to people you know. There's always someone who wants to hear from you, regardless of how you feel at that time, and it's very much worth talking to them. I had issues for a very long period, and I didn't know why, and it affects you in the weirdest possible ways. I had sleeping issues, eating issues, I just didn't feel very well for long periods, and I wondered what was going on, 
And it turns out it's something that I never expected. So, you know, you never know what's happening with your health. So get it checked out. And your review. Fucking fame reasons why. Uh, have I even done a third thing this week? So I know what I'm doing with my last review. Oh, oh. No. Because we played that for quite a while. No, not Earth Defense Force. That's the fourth review. Oh, okay. Um, no, that's why you did that ages ago, Yakuza. Okay. Yeah. I haven't played that for ages. Okay. Um, right, okay, let's review... Power Rangers? The season premiere... Okay. ...of the new series of Doctor Who. Oh, okay, you watched it. Yeah, last year, last night. Peter Capaldi, his Cap- last series. Capaldi. Rumours going around that Chris Marshall's going to be his replacement. I wouldn't I mind that. see that. Yeah, I don't yeah, mind. I, I liked him in my family. Apparently, they, they actually said that the next Doctor won't be a woman because they don't think they want to risk it. And I'm like... The last series actually was the first time they established that Time Lords could change gender when they regenerate. Like, surely you'd do that to establish precedent? Isn't Jessica Stevenson mm. currently not in anything? She'd be right, yeah. I like Jessica Stevenson. I like her to be. Victoria Wood would have been a good Doctor Who yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Loads of uh, people wanted Joanna Lumley years ago, didn't they? Yeah, Joanna Lumley would be all good. Yeah. Um, Let's get Dan Stevens in, though. <laughs> yeah. Dan, like Stevens. Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens <laughs> is all over TV. Yeah, I'm all over now, yeah. I like Dan Stevens. But anyway, um, handsome guy. New series, Doctor Who. There's, there's been some stuffs happened. It seems since the Christmas special, which wasn't very good. Was a lesbian. Um, yeah, she's called Bill. Really? Yeah. yeah. Is it like has she got an affection in the game? Like she women? seems to be for the first time in the last in this whole Doctor Who series since they brought it back with Christopher Eccleston, the first woman character in the show who doesn't appear to be a puzzle box the Doctor has to solve. Oh. Because that seems to be the thing with his assistants, isn't it? They're yeah, always he like, always has to like, work out like, what the mystery is. What's your mystery? Why are you so bizarre? Or he's copying their sort of life stuff. completely like yeah. he did with um, Billy... Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. Billy Hatcher but, um, and the Giant Egg. That was a great game. <laughs> but okay, so she uh, she basically uh, works in a canteen at a university. She's not a student there, but she okay. keeps going to these lectures that the Doctor has. Doctor is working at a university, and there's rumours that he's been there like 70 years so the idea is, I think what's happened is after the Christmas special thing, where he's decided I'm not going to have any assistance anymore, he's decided to plant himself down at this university and teach. Okay. He's getting himself out of the way, and he slowed his life down and all this stuff. There's something underneath the university, though. So I think what they're going for in this series is they're going to have this be the central focal point of the series. Like Buffy. Which, well, it's very much like the old Doctor Who's. Like, the old Doctor Who's were usually, like, 13 episodes that centred around one event. Yeah. And they would all like tie into it somehow. There'd be like a continuation for it. So yeah. I'm kind of interested to see if that's what they're doing with this series. And like, you know, they'll have adventures that lead them off to different places, but it all comes back to this vault thing that's underneath the university. Yeah. Um, the first episode was basically about um, there's a girl, she meets this girl in a bar, and then the girl gets her to come and see this weird puddle that's out at the back of the university. Yeah. Just a puddle. It hasn't rained for weeks, but there's a puddle there. Okay. And she looks in it, and the reflection says it looks wrong. And it's basically, when she looks in the reflection, the reflection isn't the opposite way round. Mm. So it's like, it's not a reflection, it's like it's mimicking her. Okay. And then she disappears into it. And it's basically like some, it turns out it's some sort of like um, intelligent fuel that like, t- you know, takes a pilot, as it mm. were. And it can travel through time and space like instantaneously almost. So that girl's now in the future somewhere. Well, she's all over the place. Basically, wherever they go, she turns up. So this oh. episode is... But this episode did a really good job of introducing Bill to the Doctor as a character. She's like, oh, I'm amazed by all the things you do. And he's like, I'm going to give you special lessons after school. Not those sort of lessons, you filth. But he like obviously sees... reasons why. Well, this is again. one of those things where he's like, he sees something special in her. He's going to yeah. he's gonna give her some special thing treatment to help her get an education. Because she's obviously interested in his lectures. Yeah. Which is lectures all about time. 
and rambling nonsense because this is what Doctor does. Mm-hmm. So the way the episode goes, it basically was an entire setup for introducing her to the mechanics of the show. Yeah. So in his room, there's the photo. His TARDIS is in the corner of the room. He's given lessons about time and relative dimensions in space. So that gives her an idea about time travel and stuff like that. Um, she's very inquisitive and like constantly running out to look for things and mm-hmm. stuff like that. She's not like someone who's like a genius or anything. Like they've tried to do that with Doctor Who assistants before. Like Martha was really intelligent and they tried to sort of have her be able to keep up with the Doctor's ideas. Yeah. Um, doesn't always work like that because the, the role of a like an assistant is for the, someone for the Doctor to explain the timey-wimey stuff to Yeah, for the audience. Um, but she seems quite an interesting character. I quite like her because she's not like, you know, not a puzzle box. It looks like her basic role will be there to, you know, enjoy the adventures yeah, and get in the danger and all this sort of stuff. But um, there was a really cool sequence where, you know, you always have the sequence where they walk into the TARDIS. Like, it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Yeah. Um, she walks in and assumes the TARDIS is a knock-through in the, um, in the school. Because mm-hmm. it's like up against the wall. She figures that he's blowing the wall out and he's put like this, what looks like to her a kitchen. And it takes her ages to click. Yeah. That's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside and all this sort of stuff. Nice. Um, it takes a move into Australia for her to realise um, that it's not just a lift or something. Did they actually shoot in Australia or was it green screen? I, don't, I think it was green screen, but yeah. they um, they haven't done an episode in Australia before, so maybe they're going to do an episode and I was thinking that. go there. Yeah, that'd be quite good. But um, yeah, it was a really good introduction to the character. It was a nice, solid episode. You've got a Dalek in there. People like Daleks. There was a Dalek? Yeah, they went off to the to the Time War briefly, oh. um, very, very briefly, to try and see if they could get away from the alien, go out of time and space entirely, and oh. all this sort of stuff. The Time War exists outside of time and space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he also went to the last known point in the universe and onto a planet and still managed to catch ah, up with them. Okay. Um, the water monster was a little bit similar to... There's an episode ages ago where they were on a space station. There's these water creatures. The ones that make people into zombies. Something like that. Yeah, it had the Ood. The episode yeah, of the Ood. Yeah. It was kind of similar to that. Um, that she was just like rising out of the ground. A bit of horror stuff going on. Yeah. But um, it was a really cool episode. I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. This is the last series Stephen Moffat's writing as well, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Which a lot of people seem happy about. I think he's alright. I don't know why people... He's okay, but he, he does have his, like... He does... I prefer his episodes to Russell T. Davis. Yeah. Because Russell T. Davis was basically, like... Like, every single episode he wrote was, like... Here's a character who's gay. Here's a former EastEnders person. And now a woman will sacrifice herself so the Doctor can save the day. Yeah. And every single episode was like that. It was like a tick box. And even if his episodes were really solid, they still ticked off these quotas. So it became like playing Doctor Who bingo. I'm I'm one of those weird people that I don't focus on who's directed or written the episode. I mostly mm. just watch them out of sync anyway. Like, I end up going to Tara's and she'll be watching Doctor Who and I'll watch an episode with her. Yeah. Um, so I've never watched a complete series bit by bit. I've never watched them in order. I've yeah. always just been in and out. Um... One of the things that I'm quite sad about has, since they've rebooted, so since 2005, yeah. when Christopher Eccleston was the first Doctor. Christopher Eccles cake, yeah. Yeah. Um, his season of Doctor Who, right until David Tennant was introduced, involved a lot more horror. Yeah. A lot more scary shit and a lot more grounded. Like, it was always in our time period, or if they went away Yeah, they didn't somewhere. have the money for the special effects in that series, yeah. did they? Because yeah. I think BBC was still treating it with caution. Yeah. Um, um, and now the budget's actually pretty it's huge. huge yeah. yeah, and it, right. it's just sad that they haven't because I think that's why it took off so much. I want more episodes set in the past. I want more episodes with a little bit more horror to yeah. them. I get like this I, one had horror stuff. There's like there's like a yeah. little bit of body horror shit, like with the like the melting and stuff like that. Yeah. Like fine, but I want it to be more like the Weeping Angels. Yeah, but I don't want them to be running through space with the, the weeping angels. angels. The Weeping Angels is going to be a plot device in class. Is it? Yeah. Uh, you turns know, like, out they're important to a thing 
it, like Ooh. in terms of the Weeping Angels, to do an episode of the Weeping Angels right, if you're going to take them to another planet, take them to another planet that's actually just like a big war memorial. They did that one episode. It was like um, they were on a planet with the priest warriors, and it was basically like aliens, but with the Weeping Angels. Yeah, yeah. Where they were like, like you, you reflections guns and stuff. And shit and like it introduced yeah. a bunch of questions as to how to fight them and why they didn't fight them in a certain way. Hmm. The first episode with them was great. Yeah, like, which was one of the yeah. um, the Doctor Who day off episodes, basically. Yeah. Where David Tennant's not available for the whole shoot, so so it was just they were trapped in a thing. <laughs> it was two it was people dark. figuring it out, yeah, with clues. But that's what I mean. Like you've got Doctor Who, so take him to a planet where it's just a a mass grave. Mm. It's like it's like Brookwood Cemetery, yeah. But it's just a mass grave, and they've got a load of statues. But more some, fun. Some of them are angels, but they there's slight differences. So they're mm. like alien angels. So was one of six eyes. What's this playing had a weeping angels Easter egg in it? There's a statue in a graveyard, and when you turn away from it and turn back, it moves. Uh, Batman I think it might have been Uncharted Batman Arkham Knight is that whole sequence where you've got the Batman no there's the Scarecrow stuff and you've got um, Resident Evil has a little mannequin nice has the mannequin Uh, that feels like a bit of a nod to Doctor Who the first episode but there was there's the Autons who are mannequins that was the first episode of the new series 2005 2005. yeah Yeah, Christopher Eccleston I know my Doctor Who villains (laughs) yeah I know I know I I don't know them as well but like I said I miss the horror element a bit more so I'd like it they still do do horror episodes yeah I know but they're just they're a bit too colourful bit too the last series had some really bad ones though there was one where there was um, creatures made out of god was it made out of earwax or something shit like that yeah and it had um, what's his face from League of Gentlemen in it yeah the short guy but, um, My problem is ever since ever since David, like I'm not saying David Tennant ruined it, but ever since David Tennant's Doctor, it's been always like, Haha, I'm kooky. Oh look, there's monsters. Mm. Ooh, let's the Doctor scan should them. be silly and eccentric, but I kind of like it when he's a bit sort of darker and stuff. Matt Smith, I thought was great at that. But... I thought Matt Smith was good at that, but he was still given David Tennant's leftover storylines. Yeah. Well, I'd like it to be if Matt Smith got a hand at playing Christopher Eccleston's Doctor. Still be in the suit and everything. Doesn't need to have a leather jacket, but be able to not only not only try and use his mind, but also every so often kick a door down. I still want to see. I want to see this where Peter Capaldi gets trapped in London and he has to work for the government for a few years, and that's when in the cut in the thick of it happens. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, it just becomes really sweary. Yeah, he yeah. has to work out his system for the new series. But I'm not. I'm. I like. I'm in no way a massive Doctor Who fan, so my comments are based on the very limited knowledge I have of it. Well, the last series, like they basically every episode was like a two-parter. I saw a way. couple of episodes. I didn't. Yeah. Peter Capaldi to me, fantastic actor. Love the thing mm. of it. I love um, in the loop as well. Mm. But they have like a lot of forced zaniness with him. Yeah, that's not needed. It's like especially oh, the first couple man. of episodes when they brought him in. Why do they have this obsession with making him run? Yeah. It's it's weird. It's like oh, he's he's old. His running's funny. Russell T. Davis's thing was having people climbing upwards. Yeah, he loved people going because he's like you always see people running a straight line, but you don't see him racing up and down. I'm like, yeah, because it's really awkward. Yeah, and also, why would he need to race? He's the most intelligent being in the world. He always just comes up with a plan. Like, step in the TARDIS and go to where he wants to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, there were some nice little nods in this episode though. Like on his desk at the university, he had all the old um, scrolling screwdrivers stuck in a pen in a oh, mug, really? like ah. a pens and all nice. that. Um, Matt Lucas is in it now I can't exactly remember why Matt Lucas is his assistant now I remember there was like an episode where they had this tyrant and his head got put on someone else's body and all this like his Matt Lucas's character's head got put on this giant robot monster's body I remember that but apparently it was in the Christmas special they had a line about him getting his body back or something and now he's the Doctor's bumbling goofy assistant I don't, I don't like that I don't know that. why that's it yeah but um, it'd be interesting where he goes after this I'd kind of 
I would like it if they're doing if they're going to do what I think they're going to do and have a series that revolves around one central location. I quite like that idea. Yeah, because John Pertwee's stuff was like that. It was like mm. you know when he was working with uh, it was always London. It was always the Warriors. The it was in, in the London. in the John Pertwee series. They didn't want to spend the money on all the sets and stuff, so they had his Tardis break, and he was stuck working with the um, what's the name the organization yeah. Nest wasn't it? I can't remember. Yeah, but um, the whole series was loads of fields, and then he he then he fell off a pylon and died. Wait, wasn't and Tom that- Baker took over. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of Tom Baker. Tom Baker was when they had... Um, who was the woman who had her own spin-off on BBC? Oh, Sarah Jane. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah Tom Jane. Tom Baker and yeah. Sarah Jane. And Tom Baker, that was when Tom Baker's stories were mostly dystopian future London. Yeah. And he was helping fight against the Daleks who had taken over London. Yeah, yeah, there's all sorts yeah. of stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I liked I liked that more. I Colin like, Baker like, had the whole tribunal thing where the Doctor's put on trial and all this. and Yeah, in the yeah. smoky room. Yeah. So no more set. I would like I would like a series in which they are fighting back against the Daleks, but I would like it to be more like every because you know in the last series they hinted at every villain that not not the last series but the last Matt Smith series where they had the giant box yeah they had Rory so this is God this is going back three seasons yeah but they had Rory came back as a Ro- Roman centurion yeah because that was one of the villains he fought a long time ago and then you had all the other villains were trapped inside the giant box it was all the evil that existed in the universe or some shit like that yeah. And he was going to lock it away, but it required a certain thing. And then Rory sacrificed himself, and then everything reverted back to normal as if nothing had ever happened. Yeah. Shit like that pisses me off. But each series for a while led up to an event where they had to basically redo yeah. reality. Yeah. I was like, you can't just keep doing that. And, like, I really Sometimes liked- the highest stakes are the smallest ones. you just got to, like, you know, put someone in danger in a logical way. Yeah. But yeah. I really liked the end of... Um, what was Pond? What was her name? The oh yeah, she had um she had turned yeah Amy Pond. Amy her, Pond. I liked turns Amy... out her daughter is River Song. Yeah, because it sounds similar as Amy Pond. Yeah, Amy Pond. So you had Amy Pond and you had Rory hmm. and Rory got grabbed by the Weeping Angels. He became Angels. one of the Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, well, no, he got grabbed by the Weeping Angels <laughs> and he went back to 1950s New York. Yeah, and then she, in a moment of and I remember the realisation that she loved him after all the thinking about all the shit like during that series because she was poorly written by the... She well acted, but poorly written by the mm. Karen Gilliam. Yeah, Gilliam. Karen Gilliam, yeah. Gamora. Yeah. Gamora. She <laughs> really, really... No, Nebula. Yeah, Nebula, sorry. Yeah. yeah, She was really well well acted, but terribly written. So I liked when she was wearing the police She uniform. kept falling in love with the Doctor and then she was in love with Rory and then there was like this thing where Rory was jealous of the Doctor because he thought she was cheating with him, but she wouldn't ever just say... No, he doesn't have sex with people. He doesn't even kiss people. It's not how it works. He gets creeped out by it. Yeah, but instead, <laughs> instead, all that she did was she was just like, oh, it's the Doctor. It's like that vagueness is cute in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s where sex is taboo. But now when people can talk about sex and fucking all, all the fucking day long, you've got a program called Loose Women in which they're talking about cunning lingus at fucking 10 in the morning on a Sunday. I'd rather they weren't. You know, it's just one of those... It's 12.30 to one thirty. Sorry. Um, it's just one of those things where you can talk about that stuff now. So there's no need for that to be a plot device. It's very old-fashioned. The whole thing was building up to the whole plot device that they find out Amy's had a baby and it's a Time Lord. Yeah. It's got Time Lord DNA, which was River Song, which is why she was able to regenerate and turn... Yeah. yeah, But it was because she was in the TARDIS and Time You Amy stuff happened. Yeah. Her and Rory shouldn't have been banging in the TARDIS. Well, if I was in a time machine, I'd fuck. Nah. I'd fuck a dinosaur. The one thing in this episode... I thought it was a plot device, plot point they missed out on. Yeah. At one point, Bill really needs to go to the toilet. And there's no toilet on the TARDIS. There's a toilet on the TARDIS. It's downstairs, past on the right, past the third room or whatever. They mention where it is. 
But then stuff happens and the rest of the adventure continues in real time. And there's a lot of water going around in this episode. And I'm like, did she still not need to have a wee? <laughs> it's a really and a strange... moment, moment like Garth Mungo's Dark Place where yeah. he figures out that thing's like, I still haven't had a drink yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I'm sweaty. Yeah. It is, it is, it's, it's weird to talk about it with such a serious tone. Hmm. But it's also frustrating that this isn't shit that they've just gone, you know... Let's let's. It's like the Bible. The Bible's full of so much old shit that people are like, "Oh yeah, no, fuck it." Jesus walked around two thousand years ago and sandals, mate. You never believe it. You never believe it. They don't ever update the Bible. They never just go like, "Well, okay, here." Yeah, update the Bible a load. It was they used to update it all the time before people could read it easily. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is like, love your love thy neighbour. Mm. Like someone was like, "Well, more neighbours next door to me." It's like, well, no, we're going to change neighbour to global sen- global beings. Anyone on the earth. Love anyone on the earth. And then let's see how many Christians we've got left. How many had, had like adhered to the Christian law? It's, just, it's exactly the same thing. you're confusing Christianity with American Christianity. No, Protestant Christianity is, is pretty similar. Mm. Anyway, That's where they get their Christianity. We're talking about Doctor Who, though. We are talking about Doctor Who. And I'm just talking about advancing it, moving it forward and sort of evolving it as a... I kind of like that Doctor Who just makes shit up as it goes along. Yeah. Whenever something gets too complex for the time travel laws they've already established, it's just like, whatever, fuck it. That's true, right? but it's just the drama element. Because the idea of Doctor Who is anything can happen at any time. There's yes. time relative dimensions in space, there's all sorts of possibilities. It's just those terrible drama elements that get on my tits. Yeah, it's fine. But it was good. It's a good first episode of this new series. Yeah, I, I haven't it. watched it. I'm probably not going to yeah. watch the new series. Well, that's because you're a racist against black girls. No, I, I kind of like her. She's quite cute. Yeah. She's got big hair. She says she's got a funny face in the episode. She's got a funny face, keep pulling weird expressions when I'm trying to be eccentric or enigmatic, she says. That's how she knew her reflection was wrong when she looked in the pool because it looked the wrong way around. Ah, 50-year-old white writers, eh? Yeah. (laughs) It'd be interesting to see if they make any reference to class in this series because I didn't even (laughs) know class existed but until one of the guys at work was like, here, watch this. I'm like, eh? I was about to say, all religion, all race. No. It's all about class the series. I know. As long as they never reference Torchwood again. Oh, that come show. On, bring back Torchwood. No. Captain Jack Harkness. Who's now Merlin the Magician. He's Mer- Malcolm Merlin. Hey, 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 he's still space fucking for eternity as far as I'm concerned. Mm. It's weird how many Doctor Who cast members are in Arrow and Flash and all that, isn't it? I think that's on purpose. Dude. Alex Kingston's I think in it's there. on purpose. And Glee now. That's their new fetish is Glee actors. They had the guy who played um, the music maestro was from Glee as well. Oh, was he? Yeah, Mr. Benoist and Grant Gustin are both from Glee. Oh. Yeah, and I think even, um, what's his face? Joe West was in Glee in mm-hmm. an episode. Yeah, I'm sure he's in an episode. I don't know. They had a singing episode. Yeah. Actually, so it's more quite a fun, flash. that episode. I didn't like it. It was fun. Show But up. I didn't, but I... Racist. No, I'm not racist. I didn't like it just because, like, it felt really, <laughs> it felt a bit like they were trying to be Buffy. Yeah, it's funny. But it wasn't... It didn't... Instead of, like... You know, with Buffy, they were like, okay, let's integrate this into the... They were really lazy with it. They were just like, 50s, see? Look, there's not much, like, history <laughs> yeah. for the music maestro to pull from. You know who was invented for the for the Batman, Bold and... Whatever yeah. it was. Bold and the Bravest and the Bold, whatever it was, the cartoon. Yeah. So he's, like, a new character. I know. And they completely reinvented him for that show. They may as well have made a mixed and mixed a bit lick, though, because He's, that's what he yeah, was he in this episode. He has so much fucking power. Yeah, this music maestro was like, I take their powers when they yeah. are in the thing. And then, like, and then I use them to fight you, even though I'm actually good. He's just doing it for... I like his basic thing was, you know, but you didn't do anything at all. Did I? And then he disappears. It's yeah. like, 
<laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Doctor Who, yeah, whatever. Carry on, you're your review. Uh, okay, my last review is going to be Ukulele. All right. Played it for three and a half hours. Did you know? Is that streamed, it? Streamed the entirety of those three and a half hours. Um, so Ukulele is a thing, yeah? yeah it's out. It's out. Spiritual yeah. successor to Banjo-Kazooie. It's a spiritual successor, it's, it's Banjo-Kazooie in high def. I would not say that. It's exactly Banjo-Kazooie. No, it's not. It really is. No. How is it not Banjo-Kazooie? It's literally got all the same problems. <laughs> it plays exactly the same. The structure is exactly the same. Okay, so... There's even honeycombs everywhere. I know. So, here's... So... Here's Ukulele, in a nutshell. It is a very colourful platformer... Yeah. ...that has been presented to us under the guise that it was... It... It is something that contains humour for everyone, mm. and has been developed has been developed with everyone in mind. Are you going to have say you have exception with the occasional risque humour in these games? No. Because Banjo Kazooie was full of that stuff as well. Yes, it was. <laughs> okay, so and Conker's bad fur day. Yep, yep, that's true. So Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie, hmm. both games that were marred by technical limitations. They never made a third one. Yeah. Never, ever. <laughs> both of those, both of those games, and to a certain extent, nuts and bolts, Didn't were exist. affected by technical limitations of the console they were on. Yeah. Things like speech weren't available. Things like uh, FMVs weren't available. You know. Yeah. So instead, what they would do is, in engine, they would lead you to the point you needed to get to, because not everyone was used to looking at map. Not everyone had the had had played a game whereas a 3D well, Banjo's map Banjo's level select map thing overworld was pretty simple because you basically just kept going deeper into the Oh no the I'm talking castle. about when you go into a game um, and there's you know like Super Mario Sunshine uh, not Super Mario Sunshine mm. Super Mario 64 started this trend where you would see the star you needed to get to oh, yeah, the yeah, level yeah. and then you would go there and you'd do whatever you know was hinted yeah. at uh, Banjo-Kazooie Banjo-Tooie both used this because at the time you know there weren't a ton of textures available not everything was clear as to where it was there were a lot of you know, rooms with cliffs. Badger let you complete multiple goals in one go. Yeah, it was yeah, like that's true. Yeah. That, that is true. But anyway, so so it was Marble Tetris, and all the conversations were like, mah, 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 as you said, like, wah, 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 wah. Um, and you know, and then um, and then Rare finally got the opportunity to to they were told just go fucking nuts and make and the games that you want to make, and they made <laughs> they made Conker's Bad Fur Day. Oh yeah, Conker's Bad Fur Day had speech, had game mechanics from. Loads of different games. I had a shooter, I had a racer, I had all the other stuff in there. The racer contained frustrating elements, again, technical limitations, but the shooter was pretty tight. The platforming was good. Mm. They had a special move that made it so that if you were platforming and you, they had the tailspin stuff and things like that. So if you missed a jump by a little tailspin. bit. Pardon? OEO tailspin. So oh, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you missed a jump, you had a double jump or you had the tailspin, you could correct yourself. And they, those were all mechanics because the camera and everything else existed. The controller wasn't easy to use. You know, they had taken everything into consideration. Now we've come forward to the to the newest 3D platformer because we are ignoring nuts and bolts. And we're at Ukulele, which mm. is, it's Mr. Generation. So it's not on the Xbox 360. It goes straight to Xbox One, PS4, PC. Mm. Um, and it's a 3D platformer. It's been a long time since we had a quality 3D platformer. Yeah, I don't really exist I can't, nowadays. Can't think of anything that I've played recently that's a quality 3D platformer. Did you recently played Sonic uh, Generations or Sonic Colors? Sonic Generations was good. Yeah, it was Ish. okay. Half good. The problem, yeah. The problem is 2D, great. 3D, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're the same thing with Sonic Forces, aren't they? 
I don't know. I don't know. Sonic Forces is basically Sonic Generations 2. Oh, is it? Yeah. There's another game, Sonic... Not Sonic Mania looks awesome. Sonic Mania, but there's also another one that came out in between for the Wii U. Sonic Lost World. Yeah. Apparently that's quite good. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I haven't played that yet. But anyway, uh, but, so um, back to ukulele. Um, so I, the first issue I had straight off the bat, mm. voice actors, just get them. Nah, I'm fine with it. I'm not. I'm not. You're fine with it because you've only played how long? I'm fine. You just press X and all the text appears on the screen. They stop squawking. As soon as you press the button, but, it skips it. But so if you don't want to listen to it, you just go, eh, 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 eh. that's it, done. But you've only played an hour. Yeah. I, in the first three and a half hours, I've completed the first area. Mm. Like, I've found all the shit I need to find. I've done everything. Mm. Every conversation that you come across is... And as much as that's cute the first time, and it's kind of fun, just hire voice actors. Nah. Just, you don't need that. That was that was a technical limitation when that was... Occurring. Yeah, but it added charm to it. It was. A, it was they hired a, people to make these noises. Yeah. Just have them say the words. Second they don't hire people to make the noises. They did, because John Tron had a voice in it until he was far right, and then he, mm. he was removed, remember? Yeah, but they, the way they do it is they literally, they take a voice sample from the animators, or like like all the voices in Banjo, or was it Donkey Kong? All the wah wah noises in Donkey yeah. Kong was taken from the Donkey Kong rap. They just took samples from the voices and then... But yeah, again, Donkey Kong was before... And there's... I think Gant Kirkhope said in Banjo-Kazooie he was basically shouting a whole bunch of abuse into a microphone, yeah. and then they manipulated that. But anyway, so that was an issue for me. Mm. But that didn't break the game for me. So I continued playing. Then I encountered another issue. Mm. Now, as much as I as much as I think I'm a good gamer, like I can get used to something fairly quickly, there are things I can't get used to. And that is control methods that require so Metro Met, Metroid Prime Fusion. Mm. Or Metroid Prime, sorry, let's go Metroid Prime. So Metroid Prime, you had the ability to go into a ball, you would explore the area and you have bombs and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A completely different control method, you just press a button and then you were done. In ukulele, you have a similar thing in which you hold a button, you go into a ball and you can jump and stuff and you can traverse areas. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is they expect you to fight a whole boss battle in which there are rows upon rows of logs that you can just about jump over, but to do that you need to hold first a shoulder, then a direction, which you need to hold very gently with the incline of the... And you've got a stamina bar, in which you can keep this for a certain amount yeah, of time. Yeah. And then they also expect you to jump in exact right timing to get over a log. This is the first boss. And you were shit at it. I was shit at it. You can yeah. find that video on my beam. Did you watch some of it? No, no. It's pretty depressing. But the biggest issue is that once you've done all that, and there are holes either side of the stadium that don't seem to have any reason to be there. Like, I thought at first, maybe I could go in there and I could avoid a row of logs, and then I could pop out and then jump and then go to the next one. No. Yeah. Also, the sides of the arena, you can jump onto. All right. But in jumping onto those, you immediately exit ball mode and start sliding back down to the bottom, (laughs) which gives you no defense against what is at the bottom, which is just a small block of void. That you can just fall into and then disappear and lose a boss. Then also, and this is this is this is something that really pissed me off. When you get to the top, the boss is firing just a fire, a straight line of fire, goes left and right. Not a problem. I'm used to platformers. This is the kind of thing that happens. But then to make it even worse, there are spikes that go in angular patterns towards the boss's mouth to lead you towards that area. The problem with those spikes are you have to jump up as a ball over a row of logs to get up to, onto that cliff. 
onto that shelf. If you even go within a millimetre of those logs, if you just go too close, you get hit, and in being hit, either go down one of those side bits or have to slide back down. And in sliding back down, they remove your ability to jump, so you're just stuck on your ass sliding down a hill, and you hit one or three of the logs as you're going down, thus reducing your life completely in one mistake. You fool. What? Fucking game design is that? Who played this once and was just like, yeah, no, that's done? I bet I do the boss no troubles. Yeah, I'd like to see you do that. Yeah. Can you record it once you get to it? I'll fucking nail it, man. Yeah, awesome. Just kill it. Awesome. Straight away. Can't wait to see this. Finish the whole game. So, anyway, but it's it's stuff like that. They've they've spent two years, right? That's not long. I mean, that's fairly... Uh, I'm not expecting this game to be incredibly long in length, like mm. in terms of how long it actually I have to play it for. It's... It just, you know, these are small bits. I've played for three and a half hours and I've already found bits that irritate me to the point where I'm just, you know. It's Such a cynic. I'm not a cynic. That's the fucking problem. <laughs> I was a person looking forward to this. I, I forgot even how, I, I forgot like a month and a half ago, I couldn't even remember that I'd backed ukulele for it to. Oh, that's you know. how much you were looking forward to it. Well, that's the thing. It had been so long because it was meant yeah. to come out last year, right? Yeah. It was until October last year. Yeah. And then it didn't come along, so I was like, okay, I'll just wait for it to come along. I won't, you know, I won't research this. I won't do what I did last time because I always get, I always get to a point with Kickstarter where I'm like looking at stuff and I'm like, oh, maybe they're not going to deliver and shit like that. And instead, you know, I get panicked and I get worried and then I expect more or I expect less. So instead I just fucking let it fall by the wayside and I just got on with stuff. And then, you know, you told me a month and a half ago, oh, Ukulele's coming out soon. I was like, oh, shit, I forgot all about that. i got an Xbox One copy coming. I can't wait to play that. Let's, let's see how this goes. Then it arrives. I install it. I'm excited. I go straight in. I, I, I literally, I go straight onto Beam and I start streaming me playing it for the first time. And, and just, you know, where I was, like, there were bits where I was like, oh, yeah, I can, I can get into this. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's bothered me so far is the the camera like resets itself the moment you started moving, and then when you jump on a moving platform, it doesn't know where to go. That same and boss you can't see that same yeah. boss I had issue with when yeah. you landed the bomb. The camera suddenly resets and has you facing away from where the logs are coming. Oh, that's not helpful. So you can get hit by a log again. Yeah, but like I said, the invincibility should last. If you're hit when you're sliding down a thing, it should recognise that you've been hit in a situation where you can't defend yourself. You have no way of working around the situation. And it should just make you invincible until you reach the bottom. Hmm. Instead of repeatedly hitting you with logs and making you lose the boss in one sweep just for success. Like, just for the slightest issue, right on the cusp of success. And when you've got a boss already that's got a mechanic that means you can instantly get hit and die, you're not going to want to play the game much longer because you'll expect worse. You don't have to do the boss straight away, though. You can go off and do other stuff. I know, but what other stuff is... It's just going to mean I have more hearts for him to take. No, once you've got um, four pages or three pages, but you can go open the next level. Yeah, but I've already done that. I've got I've I've got eleven pages, so I've expanded the world. I don't expand the world straight away. Oh, I did. I, I'm going off to find the next level. Next. Oh, yeah, yeah. I expanded yeah. the world straight away because I just wanted to keep going. I did the shovel knight mission and other bits and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've got all the ghosts. Done mm. all the. Yeah, because you can go. You can go get to the other worlds now. It says it says that you get can expand moves. it and then get that all sorted. So I was like, mm. yeah, I'll get that done. Yeah, because yeah. I'm treating it like Banjo Kazooie. Because that was, I on and Mario Sunshine as well. I would go to a level. I would get all the stuff done. To the point that I couldn't do any more, and then I'd go on to the next I one. I just do all I could until I was bored, and then move on. Oh, I play it <laughs> so differently. But, uh, yeah, ukulele, eh? It's like a solid five, six out of ten. I don't really, I can't even come up with an actor. I'm just so middling for the whole thing. 
I mean, it's it's a fun game. Wait, you you say it's middling and you can't come react to it, but you claim Jeff Bridges is a fifty fifty. <laughs> Fucking outrageous. <laughs> but it's it's slightly higher than fifty fifty. Like, because there are moments when it excels and there are moments when it dips below, but it it dips below a little bit less than it, it excels. But there's still there's so many frustrating moments. So many I like mechanics. A snake called trouser. He's a trouser snake. I liked that. See, I thought that was really cute. I thought it was funny. Like yeah. there were a couple like, of jokes <laughs> I laughed at. <laughs> there were like jokes I laughed at and stuff. Yeah. But there's like there's shit like you know Banjo Kazooie when you would do something completely like it would just close that area for you so you didn't have to worry about walking in there by accident yeah. and shit. This they just leave it open so you keep going. It's the same fucking places thinking it's somewhere new. Or you've got like there's a shooting level where you've got like a gallery. And I thought, yeah. oh, once I'm done, it's going to be liking Banjo Kazooie. I could go back and I could try and beat my high score, and I could try and like maybe get an achievement or something. No, you do it once it's over. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> and they don't close the area off. I don't know. You didn't pay much for it. How much did I pay? Fifteen quid. I paid ten for mine. Oh, because you got PC. Yeah. Yeah, I paid for the Steam code. Yeah. I'll play it some more. I haven't thought about it much because I've been playing other stuff. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, Shin Megami Tensei luckily has been a, a, like a fucking. I didn't expect to play it as much as I did. Yeah. I thought I was just going to dip my toe and just like give it a go so I had an opinion of it because you were talking about Persona so much. I was just mm. a little bit jealous. Oh. So I was like, I was like, I've got to go and play something that's similar to that. And then like, I ended up playing for, as I said, 22 so when hours. When you get your PS2 sorted and you can play Persona 4. Well, the the power block's on its way. They're sending, sending it tomorrow. No, Tuesday. Persona 4's brilliant. Yeah. Speaking of which, I've been playing Persona 5. How's that going? It's another game of the year contender already. You mean Shin, Shin Megami 4.5. No, not Shin Megami Tensei. Only the first Persona was Shin Megami Tensei. Uh, you say that. We've already yeah. established. I've come in here a couple of times when Nan's playing this game, and I've known what the moves are yeah. just by the name because they use the same name. Anyway, right. Persona 5 is fan bloody tastic. Um, they've like they've put so much work into this. It's incredible. It's a lot of people have called it like a refinement of Persona 4, but Persona 4 was pretty close to that already what they've kind of done with this they've like they've made it more flashy made it more stylish but not in a way where like animations are playing out to slow down your movement or anything like that like everything's really snappy and fast like the combat is all your options are assigned to face buttons so you can go into combat and you can just be like circle guard x attack triangle persona boom 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 boom, do your things what are you doing now what are you doing it's just started playing a video on facebook Fucking stop browsing the internet. I'm not browsing the internet. I was just podcast. clicking off of something. Jesus Christ. I thought it was porn for a second. Stop then. playing your porn on the internet. I wasn't playing porn. But anyway, Persona you know 5. There's a lot more screaming and crying. Persona 5 is beautifully designed. Yep. Um, even simple things like when you get on the train, the loading screen transition is lovely. You get like, sort of looks like cardboard cutouts of people moving in front yeah, of the screen and filming awesome. on. Um, or sometimes when you go through a certain place, you're the main character, your main character, who I've called Spike Spiegel. Um, jumps into the screen on his cape and swings his cape around and pff, no, yeah. cuts the transition away. I just called mine after um, what they put in the generic bio as Flynn. 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 <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's got a similar setup to the previous Persona. In, in the last Persona game, like you went into these dungeons and you had two weeks to try and free someone from whatever thing they were in before they died. In Persona 5, what you're doing is you're going into what they call palaces, which are like physical like manifestations of someone's darkest desires and corrupted desires mm. like in the first part of the game you're dealing with a gym teacher who's abusing the children at school oh, I saw this bit and he's like walking in, in there his evil like his his distorted desire is like a king who's wearing a cape with just his pants on underneath and yeah. he's got a crown on his head 
Um, and he's got one of the students dressed in a bikini as his as his queen. Are you taking a shit? Um, no, that was something else. That was a different thing. In the, I thought you said the... that was the same guy. No, no, that was someone else who's um, taking a shit. It's one of the guards. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, no, you also fought a penis monster in there. <laughs> but you're guided through there by a little talking cat yep. called Morgana, who believes she's he's a human, but isn't but must be a human because he can talk. That's his reasoning. Have they still got the character that's a, that's a boy in a costume, like a big old cat costume? And that was Teddy in yeah. the last one. Zipper face. No, he's not. No, different characters. Oh. The only characters that ever pass over from one Persona game to the others is um, Eagle, the guy in the um, the velvet room. Oh, yeah, the guy with the nose. He, he teaches you about how the uh, how the Personas work and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, there's a really big, like, thievery and crime caper theme to the game. Because your aim is, when you get through the palace, is to steal a treasure, which is that person's physical manifestation of what it is they hold dear to themselves. Yeah. Um, and so when you steal that, it's like, when you steal that, they get a conscience all of a sudden. They'll they'll admit their crimes and, you know, make penance for the stuff they've done. Or you punish sort of them. You're sort of changing their hearts, as it mm. were. Um, and the way it works out is you find where the treasure is, you establish your infiltration route. Um, and in the real world, you have to place out a calling card to make them aware that you know something's happening. Hmm. So in the case of Kamashida, one of the characters pins notices all over the board saying, um, Kamashida, we know what you've been doing. We'll come for you soon. So that makes him manifest the treasure that they need still. So it makes him guarded and all this sort of stuff. Okay. So then they go in, they beat him and take the treasure and all this sort of stuff. Um, the levels on it aren't randomly generated anymore like they were in the previous games, but there is a randomly generated... I, get, I, I figure it's going to be an endless dungeon type situation. You're in the in the underground subway in Tokyo, um, in Shibuya, and um, it's like in here is like everyone's smaller, darker desires. So it's people who have like where they're kind of doing nasty things, but they're not as bad as like an abuser or something like that. So they're just existing inside here, wandering around this train station. You're driving around um, in a cat bus. The cat turns into a bus inside here. <laughs> Nice. Because apparently cats turning into buses is part of culture in Japan, she mentions. Um, There's a whole bunch of that. Like everyone's persona is a character from Japanese literary and stuff like that, or European literacy, literary, literary (laughs) history. Um, Like the main character, his persona that he gets at the start is based on Arsene Looper. Um, Ryuji's character is based on Captain Kid and stuff like that. Um, I've got another character on it whose um, persona is based on Goemon. It comes out, which is quite cool, because Lupin the Third hang around with a samurai called Goemon. Goemon nice... is a mystical ninja. Yeah, well, well, he's a, he's an ancient samurai in Japanese mm. tradition, usually done in kabuki theatre. Um, but yeah, it's like beautifully presented, beautifully designed, friggin' superb. The music's amazing. The music's all like really jazzy and smooth and stuff like that. Um, they've always done that in each of the games. They pick a musical theme and they stick with it. It's not like they're just going, oh, let's just repeat the music from the previous games with a different orchestration like they do in Final Fantasy. Each one's got its own themes of music. Um, if you don't like the battle theme, theme from this Persona, the download content for Persona 4 changes the battle theme to the battle theme from Persona 4. Okay. So if you buy that, you can put your oh, main so you character... Oh, so you have to pay to do that. Yeah, but there's loads of costumes they're doing for it. They've done some free costumes and free stuff as well. Yeah. Um, like, you can change your costumes into all the like high school gear and the casual gear, so you can go around instead of in your thieves gear. Yeah, but they're doing loads of costume packs. They're doing a Chris, uh, Catherine one as well, which I might oh, have to nice. get. Um, the only thing that bothers me, the Persona Four costume doesn't have Chie's green and yellow jacket in it. It's all their high school uniforms. I don't want that. I want Chie's green and yellow jacket on my character. So, a question hmm. about your opinion of Persona Five. 
Who knows any uh, censorship? What? Censorship. Not that I know of. It's a big thing nowadays, and censorship. So, take... Take again my recently reviewed. So, I recently no. reviewed Fatal Frame, or as it's known here, um, Ghost Camera Game. Um, and there was a costume, which was just a bikini. Very revealing bikini mm. on the title protagonist. I don't think that's something they worry about in Persona, seeing as you fight a dick monster in the first few hours. It's true. It's yeah. True. Any censorship on the women? How old and are they meant to be? One of the villains is like one of the monsters you fight at one point. One of the personas you can get when you fight them, they're called like, um, what is it, vampire, prostitute or something like that. Any any skimpy outfits on the teenage girls? Uh, not that I know of. Not any of the download content costumes is. One of the characters shown in a bikini when she's in Kamashida's palace as, a, as his imaginated version of her. Mm-hmm. And she wears a leather catsuit costume. She's a cat thief. She's got a whip. It's basically a cat. Oh, so it's all about thieves, this one. Yeah, I've already oh. mentioned that. Just pay attention. Oh, yeah. There's very, lots of thievery going lots on. Lots of thievery. Um, is there, so there's still a murder subplot, though? No, it's all, well, it depends on who the person is that you're um, changing their heart of. Mm. They've all got their own dark past and you don't know what they've done. Some of them might be murderers, who knows, man? Mm. Never know. All sorts of stuff. Focuses on, basically the main plot thread is adults are shitty, so fuck them. Yeah. That's basically what it is. I mean, not with that, that's not the plot thread. No, that is the plot thread. Adults are shitty, so kill them. Yeah. Not fuck them. Well, apparently they, they reckon, they haven't tested it in the game where I've got to so far, but if they kill the shadow of the person whose palace they're going into mm-hmm. they reckon it will lobotomize them and they haven't tried it yet they don't want to they want to they want to make sure they confess their sins and pay for their crime but I reckon it will come to a point where you have to make a decision whether you're going to well, kill them or not yeah I think that, that's probably something they'd introduce slightly later but on there's an interesting plot framing device as well because the game starts off with you running around in, a, in your like your thieves costume yeah in a real world casino and you get arrested by guards and dragged into a questioning room and all this sort of stuff so you're being so the game every now and again will flash forward six months and you'll be getting questioned by a woman about what what happened in the past six months okay so there's all sorts of stuff going on so at some point I mean there is there's an element that was brought into the dungeon I was on where um, you had to change something in the real world to change something in the dungeon okay um, you had to unlock a room so that it would be un- so that when you're in the dungeon this one part of it would be unlocked now yeah. Um, so I reckon there's going to be elements where you have to go into the real world and perform real thief capers huh. in real places in order to affect the dungeon you're going through, and it'll get a bit out of hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's still it's very much persona. You have the time of day things. You can have your social links with other characters. Mm-hmm. They're not called social links in this, but I can't remember what they're called. Okay. Confidence, confidants. That's what they're called. All right. Um, but there's like. Yeah, it's just brilliantly, beautifully designed game. Like even the menus are stylish and cool, and yeah. it's got all these animations going on, but they don't take more than half a second. So it's never feeling like you're sitting there waiting for some animation to play out on a menu, which is the worst thing. Game mm. shouldn't do that. Never, ever. It really is. It's like a living manga. Yeah. It's like killer kill. Yeah, but killer kills not like this. No. <laughs> killer kills. The menu, the Clearly like the menu and the font and everything. The game gives me cowboy bebop vibes quite often. Everyone's there's a lot there's a lot of laid back stuff. There's the jazz music playing. There's like all this effortless coolness. Of it the reminds characters. me more. If I'm really honest, it reminds me more of like a subdued jet set radio. Yeah. With some of the audio and stuff. Nah, because this yeah. is more like I'm talking about the characters and their relationships. Oh, the characters and their stuff. relationship stuff. Yeah, the that's... feel of the show. And the music is jazzy. It's yeah. Like, you got like you jet set radio. <laughs> it was like techno, jazzy sort of. It was hip hop. 
It was hip hop in the levels, yeah. in the menus and stuff. It's all techno jazz. Yeah, I'm talking about the game. All right, okay, all right. No music's the same in the game as it is in the menu. I'm yeah, but in Persona, saying. all the music's jazz. Oh, really? Yeah, the music the whole Any way through. Scat? Probably, who knows? Maybe. Nice. Maybe that's what one of the villains is into. <laughs> <laughs> that toilet one. Because I'm like I'm like twenty something hours into it and I'm not massively far. The game these games, Persona games take like a hundred hours to finish, like Yeah. I've seen it's like it, it says recommended to fifty hours. There's but, no like you can't speed run a persona game. Like yeah. Because you can't break the sequence. It's it's like it's determined entirely by the days of the week you have to go through. Yeah. Like you'd have to find some pretty crazy bug to be able to break through the sequence in that game. Yeah. But um yeah, but it's it's like I don't think anyone speed runs the games. You can move to the location as quick as you can and and skip all the side stuff to make sure you're not wasting too much time. But mm. you're gonna take about a hundred hours to finish the game. Like I'm twenty hours in, I'm only a month and a half into the story. Ah, so okay. and you got a year to get through, and I'm not even up to the six month mark where um, the framing device is set. Mm. Um, but remember, don't talk about anything past July seventh. Atlas have said so. Um, they don't want anyone telling anyone or streaming anything past that date in the game. Hmm. Which is silly. Um, I reckon it would just link to Persona 4. No, they don't. They rarely link together. Hmm. Like, Persona Q's, like, considered a side quest thing that links um, Persona 3 and 4 together. Yeah. But um, it'd be interesting to see what spin offs they do for this. I want an ice skating game. I think they should do something crazy. Just <laughs> call out. But we'll never come um, to the West. They, they've released all the other Persona 4 stuff. They released all the other Persona 4 spin-off games have had better releases in the West than Persona 4 had. Mm. Like Dancing All Night and friggin' both... There's Dancing All Night and there's both oh, those fighting it. games. There's, yeah, I remember before you said, why don't you play Persona 4? And I said, because Persona 4 Gold's out. Gold's on the Vita, yeah. Yeah, and it's like a HD super remake of that thing. Sort of, yeah. It's a bit more... There's like They streamlined some stuff and they added in a couple extra... I think there's one extra month in the game yeah. that you can play through. Um, but Persona 4, the original one's work of art. But mm. um, this is great as well. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Like, it's been a really good year for games so far. It's Fucking, been ridiculous so far. Yeah. I'm, I just accuse of zero and then bloody this. I'm like, I'm like, Breath of the Wild has been, yeah, that's been a world. clear highlight for me. Um, yeah. <sighs> yeah. All good. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, there's stuff that I was really expecting to be up there as well. Like, Yuga Lady has been bad, so... <laughs> it's nice. That, well, not bad, but you know what I mean. It's It's got so many problems. I feel like I'm not a nitpicky person because I watch shit like even if it's bad. I watched all of Buffy and all of Angel. And Buffy? Some, Buffy's one of the best TV shows ever made. Some really bad seasons no, of Buffy. shut your tits. And like I've been able to sit through an episode of Friends and, and not completely hate hey, Friends is second. great. Shut up. But, uh, you know, it's just I feel like... I feel like my, my problem is that there are things that I get angry about and it's when it comes to like mental illness and like stuff like that, mm. I get really annoyed. Yeah, that's just life in general, isn't it? You get annoyed about stuff, you know. Anyway, so that is that is it from me at Critapocalypse and Ant at LV54 Space Monkey. As always, you can find us on Twitter under those handles. You can find Ant on YouTube at Mellow Gaming, and you can also find me on Just Giving under Matt Klaus. I will be doing a 100k walk for Batsy Cats and Dogs Home on the 28th of May. I got the date wrong last time. You so if you idiot. want to donate, you can find a you can find my tweet on my Twitter or just do a Google search on Just Giving for my name. Um, anything is completely and utterly respected, and I will kiss you madly if you donate a large sum of money. If you don't, I'll probably still kiss you because I'm a bit of a slut. And anything you're going to look forward to over the next two weeks? No. Do you know what really annoys me? What sudden endings? 